Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's go back to 2009 with Squidge. Let's look at the Lions Tour again with Squidge. Hello and welcome to the Squidge Rugby World Cup Lions Tour Retrospective Podcast. The rugby podcast that this week has a brand new, very exciting hook that has never been seen in any rugby podcast ever before. So it's not James Hook? I don't remember what rugby is. <laughs> I, I have... <laughs> you say it's never been seen in a rugby podcast before. Some people have listened to us that's, before and realised that's that that's a lie. I, I, yes, um, I have. Yes, okay. I I think there's a few rugby podcasts out there that didn't know what rugby was in the first place. Sure, sure. Um, Such as I episode few, last week, you know. There's a few by ex-pros where um, them forgetting what rugby is is for medical reasons, and um, I regret making that joke so early. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was, that's risky. Um, and also a massive issue that needs to be dealt with by World Rugby and currently is. Yeah. Uh, and not a debate I'm going to get into uh, 40 seconds of the podcast. But, but I have somewhere in the last two weeks pretty much forgotten everything I used to know about rugby. And what I used to know about rugby made up about 87% of my brain. There was like 13% that was like how I like my crumpets done. And um, the original, The Croods, starring uh, Nick. Oh Hague yes, and the, and yeah, and not starring. a new age thing. Um, I have, I have since the last episode of the podcast seen a, The Croods, a new age. Was it um, good? Did it begin? It was. It did actually begin. A I new age really did begin. Okay. Like you got to the BBFC certificate, and I thought, is is a new age going to begin? Did and they the did they begun. play Wooden Union at the start? No. No, though I have seen Wooden Union somewhere in some film recently, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, but that's man. a really, really good story. Um, yeah, it was. So yeah, no, it's a, it's perfectly fine. I had I had a pretty good time with it. It's pretty solid, you know, like solid passes the ninety minutes. That's uh, the, the crew's a new age, fully reviewed for you. And by I the way, about uh, that more than I thought about rugby in the last two weeks. When you say you, who do you mean? Hmm. I mean uh, Robbie or Squidge or whatever you want to call me from that there YouTube. Uh, who are you? Nice. I'm Will Owen from, I guess, writing about rugby and stuff. Yeah, so you have actually written stuff about rugby in the last few weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, about rugby is a stretch, you know. <laughs> yeah, whereas I've made a very deliberate choice post, you know, like, because I, and I think this will probably shock and upset a lot of listeners to hear that I've deliberately taken a few weeks off rugby because I was so burnt out after the lions tour yeah yeah yeah. i'm kind of the same just, like yeah the lions tour became so depressing on social media and everything that i decided i need a couple of weeks away um and i've yeah. like i've not really been playing rugby either so because like it just all feels so like it's all a bit too much for me at the minute so watching yeah. games from 2009 is about my level right now and i've been doing you know i've been doing the channel for about three and a half years now i've been doing it full time for quite a chunk of that 
And that's meant that my days, you know, like, and it might seem sometimes like there's three weeks between videos I'm just laying about, but I'm often spending like four days watching back three Harlequins games or something. Yeah. Just, you know, what I intended to do today, but we didn't get to that. And often that'll be the case. Like I'm spending so much of my time watching rugby back or reading about rugby or, you know, reading books or by whatever coach or so on, mm. that genuinely I don't think I'd gone a day without having to think about rugby in... I mean, poss- possibly in the last 15 years, but certainly in the last... Hey, maybe so in your life. Been, yeah, since the new age begun. Um, so, yeah, and just, like, also, like, staying off like rugby social media. So I've got no idea what the discourse is beyond the fact that some people still think the All Blacks are pricks, which, you know, is pretty accurate yeah, to the, seems fair. Uh, everything I've seen in the past. Yeah. yeah, there was one tweet sent from the Squid Rugby account, but it was not sent by me. Oh, really? So, yes. What's the story um, there? Because I <laughs> certainly didn't send it. Not that I've the, passed No, you didn't. Uh, the tweet, I'll, I'll read it out. So I've got Ooh, it. By the way, um, obviously I don't know the password. Could you just tell it to me now, please? Yeah, sure. Um, it's um, Nigel Owens. Um, and, bum. You've got to enter one of the other. It's one or the other. I change it every day. Okay. Um, the, the tweet was, be crazy if they made rugby the World Cup, brackets 1991, on Atari into a real game, huh? Oh, um, I did wonder what on earth you were talking about when you sent that tweet. So... <laughs> I was not talking about anything. I was, funnily enough, having a wee. I had left... So, you know, I think I got very lucky in that I left uh, my good friend Katie Mitchell, who's a comedian and so on, um, at at my laptop doing something while I went to the toilet. And uh, I came back and she sent that tweet from the Squid Rugby account. Fair enough. But I think I got very lucky that normally when people do that, they leave, you know a Twitter account with 50,000 followers open, someone will do like the teenage boy, like I'm pregnant oh, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the usual, the usuals, the, the hits. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I got very lucky that instead it was someone who's won like awards for writing jokes. And it's like, you know, there's probably some people who are very into the Midlands comedy scene going like, wait a minute, Squidge knows Katie Mitchell from the, the, the Midlands comedy circuit. So yeah, so uh, that I'm ex- I'm I'm over explaining that now because like Jamie Wall and you know a number of friends of the pod, Graham Love also has been on this podcast, uh, replied to it, and I was a bit like, wait a second, should I explain? <laughs> and and now people are questioning how you how you know Jamie Wall and Graham Love. What yeah, small yeah, world? Yeah. I know I uh, I I know Jamie Wall because um, well I met him through Jamie Fence um, and Jamie Hedge. I really hate that I said that. You're such I a... really hate hang that. On, hang on, what hang am on. I doing? You what know what? No, 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 no. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be calm right now, and yes. I'm just gonna. Uh, um, my microphones are switched off. You know, this is this yeah, is off yeah, air. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, off yeah. air. Cool, cool. I'm just gonna. We just need to yeah. talk about that because you, you can't yeah, yeah. really make jokes like that. Like we have standards, no, and uh, to to put it to, to <laughs> do we? To, uh, <laughs> not really, but um, I I just think you're a bit of a prick. No, I know. Um, but just a bit. Yeah. Okay. Because um, I think uh, we're only six minutes in. Right? To no, I want to apologise to my own family, uh, except for you. Uh, yeah, that's you fine. Very hurtful things about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just called you a prick, man. It's fair game. But more than that, I want to apologise to not just Jamie's entire extended family. Yeah. But uh, and the fence family. Walls, all walls <laughs> worldwide. Okay. <laughs> like walls ice cream. To, and I. Not Wars Ice Cream. Okay. And I intend, because it's spelt differently, and I intend not. to go... <laughs> it's spelt differently. It's... it's No, it's spelt W-A-L-L-S-I-C-E-C-R-E-A-M-S. Wait a minute, that's Ice Creams. Yeah. Um, 
I scream, you scream, we all scream for Jamie Wall. What am I doing? I'm talking but, anyway, about. So today, <laughs> I said you... I've taken two weeks away from rugby. I said I meant I've taken two weeks to go and have a complete psychological breakdown. Well, now you think taken... what's happened to me. Now you've taken two weeks and seven minutes away from rugby, and yeah. um, uh, um, and you know what? So We've taken point, a lot of dignity was, away. from I was rugby. going to. I was intending for that to last about forty seconds, right? Yeah. For me to go. I've been away from rugby for a bit. Watching this test back today, the first, the first the test, very first the test, first test of the 2009 Lions tour, one of the most famous series in the history of the sport, yeah. one of the most acclaimed and celebrated periods the sport has ever had. The game that kicked that off, yeah. Uh, watching that back was the first time I've watched rugby in a few weeks. Like yeah. I said, I didn't watch that second. I watched the first test between Argentina and South Africa. I didn't watch the second. Yeah. And I haven't, you know, I haven't watched it back yet. I, even though all I've seen is the kind of am still. Um, yeah, yeah. On an incredibly, like, basic removal analytical sort of thing. Basically, like, did you enjoy it watching this back? It's really good, this game. Yeah. It's, it's a good, really good game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it made me wonder, like, is part of why I was burnt out on rugby because I haven't watched a properly good game in since that Premiership final. Like the Premiership final was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was what tail end of June, um, sure. and since then I've watched a lot of rugby, and all of it has been either uncompetitive or slow. There is also the fact that, like with the Lions tour that we've just had in 2021, mm. for anyone who's listening far in the future, um, because you know we have some listeners who are from the future, uh, we certainly have none from the present. But anyway, um, uh, Jamie Invisible Wall. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, spaceships, yeah. Spaceship wall. Uh, anyway, so with that line's thought has gone on, just I'm, I'm just gonna oversee that. Myself. Yeah, me neither. Anyway, with that line's thought that's just gone on, if I ever get to finish mm. this point, we've yes. kind of you kind of have to watch it with uh, a really analytical eye because there's so much ways on it, and so being able to mm. just watch back a rugby match just because you enjoy watching rugby can be quite a good thing to come over because they are two completely different yeah. things, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's very pronounced, the difference yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because this game has points of being like that uh, second test this year, yeah. where South Africa are completely on top for large waves. Yeah. But the entire way the Lions are doing things in attack and they keep looking like they might Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, Lions really play their the part in this test, quite... to be fair. Like, yeah. It's, it feels it's very like... one-sided, but at the same time, got... you know, the Lions could have done much more with what they were given. I got very sick during the Autumn Nations Cup and then during this um, Lions series as well of people talking about how boring rugby's become. Yeah, right? yeah, I hate it. And because it's never boring, right? The the problem with this Lions series and the reason it was not the spectacle that we were hoping it would be was because the two teams played the same tactics, right? Mm-hmm. And that is going to be dull in whatever sport, whatever the tactics are, right? Like sure. if two teams played really attacking dynamic rugby and were both set up to defend really attacking dynamic rugby, yeah. nothing would happen, right? Yeah. If two teams played... If one team was looking to play kicking rugby and one team that kind of like, say, like vintage All Blacks team where they counterattack all the time, yeah. right? It would be, it'd be, comp- or any brand of rugby. It doesn't have to be kind of the brand Harlequins were playing. It could be quite easily like, you know, Wales under Gatland, which was not the brand of rugby the Lions played. The Lions were far more conservative than yeah. Wales were under Gatland. Yeah. Um, maybe actually 2019, where, but that's a slightly different thing. Even the brand of rugby the Lions were playing here in 2009, it would have been more interesting and dynamic, but we sort of just had, I think I, I described it as being an immovable force meeting another immovable force. Mm-hmm. And so that became a problem. Whereas 2009, it was two teams who had an idea of how they wanted to play, but lent on their plan B quite early. And yeah. I think South Africa's plan B was the Lions' plan A. And sure. the Lions' plan A was South Africa's plan B. Yeah, and yeah. So you kind of had, they were always butting heads against each other. With, yeah. 
different ideas the other was set up to play. I think it's probably safe to say I enjoyed the 2021 tour a little bit more than you did. Like, I didn't find it, like, mind-numbingly boring, like everyone else seems to have. But no, no, I certainly... I think that going back over this 2009 series it's definitely like those those sets of test matches are kind of even with because this was our first lions tour that we watched Mm. you know having watched 2013 2017 and 2021 since then when i think of like a proper lions test series this is always the one that comes to mind because the intensity was just so through the roof and it was just all three tests were just such a spectacle yeah 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 no absolutely um and they here we go Oh, there we go. That was um, Satan escaping from me. Uh, and I'll now be completely normal. Back to usual. Uh, he's, he's, got, he's got on my system. Uh, I apologise for burping into the microphone. I can edit it out if you um, like. Hey, hey, no. That's an important moment. It's an important cultural artifact. Okay, yeah. Um, Rugby's so different. I, yeah. Little known fact, when I was recording my voiceover for the video on the World Cup final, I burped just before getting into like the movement bit about Sia Khaleesi at the end. Nice. Um, and... I wish I saved the original take where I just left that in and started talking. Uh, where I did a real switch. It was it was like watching Julianne Moore at her best. Or, you know, any of the performers from Cruise and New Age. So, should we look at the teams for this particular match of rugby? That would be an idea. Let's let's start with the box, so, why don't so, we? Yeah, so South Africa had only played one game coming in. This, the Lions had obviously played uh, six warm-up games. Yeah. Um, and led into this off the back of a South African... Of a, regular European season as well. Uh, South Africa had played one game against Namibia, who they battered, yeah. and then they kind of just had to try and fill the time until there. Sure. So, again, there's quite a few changes from the team that won the World Cup two years earlier, yeah. unlike, obviously, this year, yeah. where they pretty much copy and paste the same team in. Sure. You've got the... Okay, so looking over this back line, right, I remember that Ruin Pienaar was a 10, and there was a lot of debate at the time yeah. over whether they go with Ruin Pienaar, who, was, who had established himself as the 10 in 2008 after... Obviously, uh, Brock James had, had disappeared yeah. off to bat. And just before he'd gone to Ulster and decided he wanted to be a scrum half full-time. And he, he yeah. at this point, Ron Pienaar could play literally any position in the back line, you know. Uh, and probably, yeah. you know, uh, t- 10 probably was the position well, he was most competent at this point because 10 his was the position boot he... was unreal. And he's just like, he had temperament like no other player in, in World Rugby. He was, he was playing 10 in Super Rugby level at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played fullback for the Springboks in the Rugby Championship that year. Or yes. the Nations, it was there. yeah. Um, as you say, he was just playing anywhere, and he then left because yeah, he was the so- Springbok starting ten, yeah, you know, or at least he was on the bet. He was in the team as a ten, as a fullback. Yeah. Um, he then went to Ulster because they were the only club that promised him he played nine. Yeah. He had a number of offers from other clubs, and all of them wanted to play him as a ten, a fullback. Or, yeah. You know, who can come? Now up. I look back at Pinar and just think like nine was his position, and sort yeah. of. I mean, we had Gareth Mason on the pod quite a long time ago, who is you know a diehard Springboks fan. And he was obviously shocked to hear us referring to Ruan Pinar as like an all-time great, like a proper like legend of the professional game and a worldie, mm. basically. And they kind of said that he he kind of said that the message didn't really get back to South Africa of him being that good. It was kind of like, well, he was a good player, you know, he played to a good standard at yeah. Test match level, but didn't think he was like a world-class player. But like when when he played for Ulster, it was always that thing he'd start at nine, then move to ten at the end of the game and just tear teams to shreds. Yeah. So the. It was a choice at this point between Ruan Pinar, who was who established himself in the year beforehand and mm. was far more of a kind of attacking ten and yeah. all rounded ten, which is obviously at odds with the nine he became. But, sure, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it is. And then the far more conservative Mornay Stain, who was in incredibly great form for Super, in Super Rugby that year. Yeah. The Bulls won Super Rugby that year. You know, he was the key man. He was the top points scorer in Super Rugby. Uh, he was the guy, right? Yeah. He was uncapped, however, 
Um, and people didn't know if he'd, had the t- if he'd have the temperament to immediately step up into Test Rugby. And we'll get on to his first few touches, but there are a few odd moments when Miles Harrison on commentary describes him as the young man. Yeah, that's so weird. I was about to bring that up. He says, like, oh yeah, young Stain puts it in the air. It's like, don't call him young. He looks he looks no younger than he does like a, a, did like a few days ago when he knocked over that winning penalty in 2021 against the Lions. And it's like, that man hasn't aged. He's not young. He's always been 30. And he's got like the temperament of like, oh man. Oh. I, I really can't wait for... <laughs> For Mornay Stain's son to start playing for the Springboks for the next Lions tour and kick the winner, yeah. obviously. Uh, apparently, he's able to kick goals from like 35 metres already, and he's 10. Don't. Let me enjoy the, the time where we haven't been knocked out three times by the Stains. <laughs> uh, that's coming. That's coming. And I reckon Mornay Stain's son will also only be young for about six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Mornay Stain was... <laughs> it, it was literally just this this test series where Mornay Stain was a young player, right? Yeah. By the Tri Nations, he he was on the bench the first game of the Tri Nations, then came in for the second. He played like he had thirty. Caps. From there onwards, yeah. from fourth his fourth cap onwards, yeah, he was it. You know, he yeah. was the established thirty plus cap international. International rugby was caps. nothing to him; like it was just so easy no. to conquer. He was world class within, well, within about six minutes yeah. of playing international rugby. Ball to water, yeah. Yeah, so Mornistain was left on the bench for this game, does yeah. come on for his first cap. For some reason, he's wearing 22 and Jart Freeze in 21. Yeah, that's a weird one, isn't it? So the I think the, the probably the most important selection is that they opted with both Bismarck Duplessis and John Schmidt. So John Schmidt yes. plays on the tight head. Obviously, the debate was always that these are basically the two best hookers in the world. Uh, Duplessis is slightly better, is probably the, the consensus among Springbok fans at this point. But John Schmidt is also probably the best captain in the world. So it's a great problem to have. Luckily, Schmidt will learn to play on the tight head and I so think it went pretty well they'd moved Smith over to he'd obviously been you know hook all the way through his career uh, yeah. he played prop a bit as a teenager uh, he was then moved to prop for the autumn series the year before so his first start at prop was against Wales in the autumn 2008 right. yeah and then he also played there against Scotland and then moved back to hooker right. um, against England. So he was he had what three a player, man. as a prop going like, into this. Be, be, right? And it's bold, to, to that selection. It's, it's incredibly bold right, to go for that against, yeah. you know. I mean, Gethin Jenkins and Phil Vickery, I mean, we'll come on to how the scrum went. But it's no mean feat coming up against them and thinking, yeah, all right, we can put a hooker in it at tight head. And also just like fair play to him stepping up and just like be, being willing to swap his position so Bismarck could come into the team. Yeah. It was mad. Um, it's looking back on it. It's an insane thing to do. It is to yeah. move your captain across to tight head. Yeah, maybe the most difficult position on the field to learn. Yeah, yeah. Right, like, so pressurized. And as things that happen in this game go on to show, right, good tight heads have been playing there since they were at at most nine. Yeah. Right, like from the moment they're a contested scrums, they're playing tight head, the yeah. best tight heads. Yeah. And it normally takes them up until they're about. 26, 27, 100%. be good enough to play yeah. at international level, right? Yeah. John Schmidt got there in three games. He took John Schmidt three games just cracked it. to get there. And he obviously played there some, um, during Super Rugby. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So it's not he... quite the same though, is it? Like, yeah. No. And also, speaking of the thing we were saying about Monet Stain, this being Heinrich Brasso's second cap. and like, only second cap? Yeah. And it, it wow. was like, oh yeah, yeah, international rugby, yeah, that's easy. You know? Like, he was... He was 
straight in and just completely mm. dominant, like wherever he could be. So yeah, anyway, so they had um, A.D. Jacobs partnered John de Villiers yeah. in the centres, which was a bit of a shock for me. Like, you know, I kind of thought, oh yeah, Jacques Fries felt like the uh, the starting centre for a long time. I suppose he, he sort of, you know, has been uh, sort of around this tour. But uh, that feels like a strange selection to me. Uh, Jacobs a, ahead of Fries. For a lot, it's something that Fourier and de Villiers didn't actually start that many games together. To say you think of them as an iconic Yeah, yeah, you do. But I remember looking at the list of players who started the most test matches together, and I expect them to just be on there. Cause yeah, yeah. One of the most you put them up there with, like, Nono and Smith and stuff like that, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Um, O'Driscoll and... Uh, Darcy. Darcy. Yeah. And, you know, even Foxy and Roberts. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you don't... They're just not They're just not there. They mm. didn't actually play together that wow. much. Um, Jacques Fru uses surprised. an impact sub very much Right, it. okay. Um, yeah. And obviously, both of them won a lot of caps. Yeah. But there wasn't that much in the way of starts together, yeah. uh, which is unusual. Uh, they both won, yeah, 70, 80 odd cat. I think no, John DeVille's hit 100, didn't he? Did he? I, don't uh, I think he must uh, have. I've forgotten everything I know about rugby. Yeah. He did, 109. 109 okay, yeah. But yeah, A.D. Jacobs felt like a AD Jacobs felt like a surprise, even though obviously he'd been around for longer at this point. Yeah, experience yeah. And so on. Yeah. No, you it's just think player, of the sort. But... Maybe because Forey scores the winner in the following test. Spoilers. Sure. Yeah. Should we, should we look at the Lions team? Let's. So, um, obviously, any Lions team will always have controversy in it, you know, and like, it's a big call, you know, like, Stephen Jones being the fly half over mm. Nogara after Ogara won the Grand Slam and was was this impeccable kicker. But Stephen Jones has seemed to have much more of an all-round game. You know, Ugo Monya on the wing, uh, who had been on fire in the warm-up games. Him and Bo had worked brilliantly together. Monya was the top try scorer on tour, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, Lee Byrne had a Rob Carney oh. at fullback. But the so Lee Byrne, I think, was seen as one of the really nailed on selections. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah he played the, very the well. Two really, um, two and very good fullback options. Yeah, written themselves in as they were guaranteed, they were nailed on. Yeah, I remember the BBC headline when the team was announced being David Wallace starts because mm. um, they very much had it as like him and Martin Williams were the bookies were completely undecided as to who would be. The yeah, yeah, there. yeah. Whereas Monia started over Shane Williams, who was the World Player of the Year at the time, mm. but had not played very well in the warm up games. Uh, whereas yeah. Monia had played very well. He in was the excellent. Games. He was on really, really good form. Yeah, and look, the, Shane Williams is also was also due to be on Strictly this year, but Monia stole that spot from him as well. Yeah, and also, you know, like, can you imagine Shane Williams on Question of Sport? I could imagine him on Strictly a little, doing a little bit better in a Question of Sport. Question like Uga Monia, if anyone unaware, if any South African or elsewhere listeners, uh, there's a long-running BBC panel game where they always have sports people as captains. Uh, Matt Dawson has been a captain for a very Sports long time. Sports quiz show, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Along and... with cricketer Phil Tufnell. Yeah, and Ugo Moni's just been named. He's due to start as the a new team captain on there in, you know... I'm very excited uh, to see. much time, I think, in November. Yeah. Um, but Shane Williams, right, is a... <laughs> Shane Williams is so boring a pundit that during the last weekend of the Six Nations, instead of covering one of the Six Nations games... Instead of even covering the biggest club game going on that weekend, he was covering the Dragons' bottom of the table game against Zebra. Like that's 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 where Shane Williams is down to. Anyway, the good uh, news is he was a very exciting tangent. player. Um, he was a phenomenal rugby player. He was trying too hard on this tour, and Ugo Monia started over him. Yeah, and we'll get into Ugo Monia as we go. But yeah, that was sort of the the two big surprises. Yeah, uh, Alan Wynne Jones also starts his first Lions test. Yes, um, first, first of, of a run of twelve unbroken mental tests. Yeah. Okay, the, should we go on? Go on. No, 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 no. I want to mention one more thing because during the second half, they cut to the Lions bench, sat there together, and still in his bib was Harry Ellis. Oh yeah, yeah, 
just just there, just there for the ride, isn't he? Harry Harry Ellis in a Test match Lions squad. It's if, yeah, just vibing, Harry, man. Yeah, it's just just a good time, isn't it? Just great, great, great vibes, great vibes. Harry, Harry, what? Harry Ellis, man. Harry Ellis, yeah. He he got on in a third test, didn't he? I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he did. He yeah. did, and they moved Mike Phillips to the centre. Yeah. Oh man, so many spoilers. Love this podcast. Anyway, sh- should we should we start watching the game? Yeah, I mean, so the game I think starts pretty much as. <laughs> From a Lions point of view, starts as they mean to go on. Yeah. In that they kick it straight to Brian O'Driscoll and Brian O'Driscoll does something brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brian O'Driscoll's put under loads and loads of pressure by Jean de Villiers, who is just one of the hardest hitters in the world of rugby. And Brian O'Driscoll just kind of goes, oh, this thing, this ball thing. Yeah, yeah. How about you're 22? Suck it. And then he just boots <laughs> it miles. And it's great because O'Driscoll is viewed as one of the greatest centers of all time. But kicking was one of those things that he was very good at, but people kind of underappreciated. And yeah. he kicked that ball well. It's a very good and very long kick, crucially, as well. It's a great think start. Of O'Driscoll kicking, and you think of little chips and grubbers and yeah. stuff. It really relieves the pressure. And the, the drop goal in hiding cup final a few weeks yeah, before this. Yeah. You don't necessarily think of a massive clearance out of his own 22. Sure. That bounces, you know, bounces into touch 70-odd metres out. Yeah. Really, really good kick. And, yeah, as you see, starts the mean to go on, right? Brian O'Driscoll, what a rugby player. <laughs> He's fucking but, good, isn't he? I say, I've... I've forgotten everything I knew about rugby in the last few weeks. So how good Brian O'Driscoll was came as a surprise to me. <laughs> I know what you mean. Like, he it's, could do literally everything, unbelievable. man. unbelievable. I do, I do love... We'll come on to it, but there's a point in the second mm. half when the Lions look a little bit lost. And naturally, it's clearly unspoken, but they all just decide we're just going to keep giving it to Bod. And every time he does something <laughs> fucking absolutely spellbinding every time he touches like, the ball. So, so Brian O'Driscoll... Right, okay. This is a Lions test match, right? Mm-hmm. That is the second highest tier intensity you can play rugby. That's the second highest level yeah. of rugby anywhere. You're going right down from like casual touch rugby, like a chuck about kids, right? Yeah. Right up to is the second highest tier to a World Cup final. Yeah, which right? as an Irishman, That's Brian O'Driscoll has never never got to. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Surely you must play in the semi final at least. No, 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 no. Just quarters, mate. Just quarters. And he usually loses. Um, that seems like Harry Ellis type vibes. So. This is the second highest tier any rugby player can ever play at, right? It is the highest tier O'Driscoll could ever play at, right? Watching Brian O'Driscoll in this game reminds me of watching Mar Nonu playing MLR. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was pretty great. Um, oh, man. Come back to the Legion. Like, Mar, if you're listening, come back you, to the San Diego right, Legion. For anyone that, that didn't catch Mar Nonu during his, what was it, like five games for... Not uh, even. I think he played three games, maybe. Um, but... Nonu was so good that the players around him couldn't keep up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was often going for... He was often, like, spotting chips and grubbers and, like, cross kicks and openings in the defence and so on and throwing balls to people and the other players couldn't recognise it was a try. And that's it, like... Sometimes, like, for example, he, got, he would he would call to his 10, like, oh, the space in behind, you know, chip it. And, like, yeah. the 10 physically didn't... Like, wasn't good enough to yeah. be able to, like, hear the call and do it in the time Nonu was used to. Like, having played exactly, it outside yeah. Dan Carter and, you know whatever other times like Bowden Barrett and whoever else for the last 10 years. But there were, yeah, there were points in which he would spot an obvious cross kick and he just put it in, you know, like, yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. And the winger wouldn't have noticed there was no one opposite. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, it's that kind of thing of just like <laughs> being, of no one being on a sharp like, way playing, playing at jogging, jogging pace. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 
Brian O'Driscoll felt like that yeah. in a Lions test. Yeah. Like, every touch he had, he seemed to be so far beyond the other 29 players on the field. Yeah, yeah. I, I genuinely think he didn't really put a foot wrong much in this game, which is mental no. to think the, the insane amount of pressure he was under all, all game. And, like, you know, De Villiers and Jacobs both had good games. And to come yes. out of that still looking world-class like he did was just unbelievable. So, yeah, anyway, he puts that kick in. Yeah. Uh, straight from the liner afterwards, Fora Dupre puts a box kick in the air. JP Peterson is offside, and Stephen Jones goes for a penalty. Mm. He misses the penalty. Francois Stein catches the, the ball the in goal. To, to add uh, was like like forty five, yes. forty seven meters out on, on the, the angle, corner, like yeah. right in the corner. Yeah, like really difficult. difficult. Kick. Stephen Very difficult. never had the greatest yeah. range. I think it was a bit of a tester, you know, a couple of minutes into the test match. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he, he missed it. Franz Stein catches the ball in goal. Instead of putting it down for the 22, he runs it out and boots the ball to about, uh, what, about 60, 70 metres to near the yeah. Lions 22. I also realised at this point that um, I've watched the first five minutes of this game back about six times because I did um, a project when I was in year 12 in college on sports mm. commentary and this was the example oh. I used was the oh, start well. of this test so I then realised that I've heard that commentary from Stuart Barnes uh, about um, Francois Stein running the ball out of his 22 like a lot of times so yeah oh. there's there's a thing but then I reached I a point where I kind the... of thought oh wait yeah I don't recognise this bit now so this is good <laughs> I did the trailer for How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days which is a rom-com starring Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson that I've never hmm. seen and not written by Stuart and Barnes kinda... crucially no, no 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 it might have been actually I don't know I haven't seen it hold on I'll just google did uh, Stuart Barnes brackets rugby player from Bath uh, write the romantic comedy how to there we go. Okay. Uh, it says Stuart Barnes uh, is a former international rugby. Okay. It tells me Stuart Barnes is 10 rugby hard men of all time. Uh, I, to I'm, me, someone I'm under the impression that he makes didn't. a list with Gareth Chilcott as the hardest man <laughs> in the history of rugby <laughs> says to me he did not write a rom com. Yeah. Okay. I don't think he did. I don't okay. think he did. But thank no, you for checking. Check yeah. Yeah. No, no. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're, we're suckers for accuracy on this, you know. Nice little uh, TMO check check you did there. Yes. So. Speaking of TMO check. Should we, should we just should jump we skip, to it? Should we skip ahead? Let's skip ahead, right? So, um, okay. So, one of the things that defines this year's Lion series, the tw- 2012, uh, no. What year is it? Twenty twenty one. I'm paying attention to anything for two yeah. weeks. Twenty twenty one. For nine you. years, maybe. Uh, same as it was two two year two weeks ago. Two years ago. Um, <laughs> I thought Satan went away in that burp. So one of the things that defined it, right, was refereeing controversy. Yeah. Okay. One of the things that. What? Why are you? Why are you? Why I just remembered what we're about to address. Carry on. One of the things that really defined South African rugby in talking about refereeing in the last few years was the one and only Mr. Bryce Lawrence. Yes. Okay. This game in 2009 was refereed by Bryce Lawrence. Two years prior uh, now, to the um, the Australia-South Africa one that you referred yes. to, where Bryce Lawrence was effectively chased out of his refereeing career by South Africans who weren't happy with that yeah. performance. You know, we went over this in the 2011 podcast. Phil wants to listen to that. Yeah, it's worth listening back to. We went into some detail yeah, on that, and yeah. I feel like we were fairly fair. I, th- I think we did a good job of that. I think so. I'd like I to think say, we were you know, not great. Say, I think we need... Hosts. 
I think we need two people to go back over that in uh, 11 years' yeah, time yeah. and tell us whether we did a good job on yeah. that, really. Um, <laughs> the Squid Rugby World Cup retrospective retrospective yeah. from 12 years in the future. So, I think that uh, Bryce Lawrence has a really bizarre game okay. in this performance. And I think there's an argument to be made that Warren Gatling could have made an hour-long video on this. <laughs> um Forward coach rather than <laughs> um, no, but I mean, there's a few moments that we kind of we'll get through as we go through the game naturally. But the real standout, the real standout, is an interaction with the TMO Christoph Burdos. Oh man, who... Burdos is so clueless. I love it. Christoph Burdos, right, has at this point refereed quite a number of tests. Yeah, yeah. In English at test level, he was a high level referee. Okay? Yeah. You may be wondering why I said in English. <laughs> because we get to uh, the Uga Monia has the ball held up over the try line. Okay, yeah. Lions have a bit of an overlap. They work it out. Uh, Monia goes over in the corner. Yeah, JP uh, Peterson gets a puts a good hit on him. And Jean de Villiers flies in. And he effectively holds him up originally, strips the ball, and it goes into touch. Right? Touching goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and spoilers. <laughs> actually, actually, should we just play the clip back? Yeah, if you've got it, if you've got it. It's a very big call giving a try when there's so much debate. If that's not a try, that is a wonderful piece of defensive play. Nice. Yeah. I have a decision. Thank you. The ball was not uh, touching goal. The ball was not touching goal. It's a fair call from Christoph Burdos. Was a touching goal here? Doesn't touch in goal. Sorry? The ball doesn't touch in goal. Okay, but it's carried in by red? Yeah, scrum five red. Why scrum five red though? Because the the green player played the ball after and uh, go in in that deadline. Green player played the ball here yeah. or in goal? Yeah, it's a scrum five red. Why though? Attacking scrum. What? Attacking scrum. Yeah, you need to tell me why it's a scrum five. Because of the, the green player on the floor played the ball. In, uh, in the field of play or in an goal? No, it, it was in goal. Okay, it's a 22 then. Bryce <laughs> Lawrence knows it. <laughs> I just love the point where Bryce Lawrence. Okay, shut the fuck up. I'm going with my decision. I'm not listening to you at all. Because there's a. I mean, so watching this back, firstly he goes, "It was not touching goal," and then um, Bryce Lawrence just kind of goes, "What do you mean? That's not why I asked. Like, what are you on about?" And he keeps going. It was not touching goal. And then and then after a while, uh, also my French accent was wild there. And then eventually, yeah. uh, after he's tried, it's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And he goes, it was touching goal. And <laughs> and then he's just kind of going for ages. Like, so, what What do you mean? What is it? And it's like, it's a five meter scrum. It's like, why is it? Like, and, and no, nothing in the rules should ever mean that that is going to be a five meter scrum. If it's, no, it's how, I, I figured he was seeing it's held up. Oh, because he's saying it's not touching goal. I figured, what I figured Burdos was saying was he was going, by touching goal, he means touchdown on the goal line. And he was saying it's not touchdown, attacking scrum. God, the phrase right? touching goal is inconvenient, isn't it? 
Yeah. And I just think he's heard that buzz phrase somewhere in English and he doesn't quite know what it means. I just love that point where um, Bryce Lawrence is kind of looking down on him at this point mm. and going, well, if it's touching God, it's, is it 22? Like, Burdo- that's just not Burdos the is, Like, Lawrence is, Lawrence is communication with him. It's like, <laughs> you know, they've probably met beforehand and you know, yeah, probably not sure. the refereeing course and so on around, right? But over the course of that conversation, over the course of that TMOing decision, I think Bryce Lawrence decides he's being TMOed by Mr. Bean. <laughs> yes! Like, <laughs> and you can sort of see in his face the frustration seep in and yeah. start to go like, my TMO is an idiot! <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> what? He can't speak English! And he then the entire game avoids going to Tim mm. whenever he yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like one other so, like, intervention, few... right? Where Burdos kind of chirps yeah, in. There's and just... uh, another one with Hugo Monia. Yes. And like there's one with uh, Mike Phillips where he doesn't go. And there's a few like where he doesn't go up. Mm. Um, and obviously, you know, the TMO laws were stricter then. You couldn't go for foul play and so on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you couldn't get just look at the really screen, right? You had to actually talk to the TMO. Yeah. So and like he also when there is one that's the lines given as uh, knock on yeah my first girlfriend yeah yeah doesn't grab it uh, and he right away when he says uh, it is lost and he's like okay scrum right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. green um, <laughs> and he doesn't give him any time to communicate he cuts him off right away before he goes I'm, true true down the line honestly so glad Bryce Lawrence just went yeah it's a twenty two like come on like we've been over this I wanted Learn that to- it. That it was, it was like a scene in the Ricky Gervais program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it felt like it was The Office or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If uh, I, I feel like Ricky Gervais is playing um, Christoph Burdos at this point, Lawrence was entirely right to overrule him because I, I had no idea what Burdos was was trying to communicate. But yeah, anyway, it's See, okay, so, was given. I mean, my my take on that right uh, is nowadays anyway, it'd be a penalty try. Yeah, because... JP Peterson, like so... John de Villiers rips the ball really well. JP Peterson rips yeah. Ugamonia's head off. That is not a tackle so much as a guillotining. Yeah, yeah. Like, you think you're in, like, 17th century France yeah, yeah, looking yeah. at it. He just grabs him by the throat and throws him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, you take Peterson out there and Monia is walking it in and touching it down. The yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really easy try. Yeah. Um, but as it is, you know, Peterson gets enough of a shot on him that Devils can get under the ball. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, nod to jingle. <laughs> and, uh, like, you know, there's a similar thing uh, in the Lions half where Tom Croft, like, blatantly shoulder yeah. charges for a Priya. And it's mental yes. that there's no yellow cards given in this game at any point. Yeah. But yeah, no, that um, was that was speaking, definitely a high tackle. Speaking of Tom Croft, um should we talk about the first try? Yeah, I mean So about the, a few minutes in, right, after the a few minutes in, um the Lions Lee Burn has generally a really good first half before he goes yeah, off into yeah. half time. Um but there's one moment where the backfield's left completely yeah. open. And South Africa really... Pienaar kind of takes the mick um, out of them a little bit with this kick. Yeah, It's a really good kind of like deep cross kick. One of yeah. those that's like landing Provocative, next to the corner flag. I think is the word. Yes. And it kind of sits up there and JP Peterson's almost on it. Mm. And kind of... Kind of falls through his legs really a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And three men fall to the floor. So there's Monia, there's Byrne, there's Peterson. All kind of scramble for the ball. And all kind of end up taking each other out. So the ball comes loose. Yeah. AD Jacobs goes to try and ground it and somehow just can't I can't quite figure I that out happens. I wish Christoph Burgess could tell us yeah <laughs> but I, I think what happens is the ball is trapped between Ugamonia's legs because it's not a, a mm. ruck or anything he doesn't legally have to make the ball presentable or available so I think he kind of like uses his thighs to be really inconvenient to Jacobs 
and Jacobs just can't quite get hold of the ball in time before the yeah. Lions get back to scramble and stop him from grounding it. But off the back of this, the Springboks were awarded a scrum five metres out from the try line. Yes. A scrum five, green ball. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is the first scrum of the game. Yeah. And is I think, the only one Phil Vickery manages to hold up. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the this scrum is pretty even, pretty level. Yeah, yeah. And the, the <clears throat> Ruben Pienaar then crash balls himself. Yeah. Which, you know... Effectively. Like yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really good crash ball as well. Like, it is like watching Andre Pollard being invented yeah. before your eyes. But then, right, second phase, next phase round... So, Jamie Robinson... No, so they then run another phase. Uh, Brousseau carries in, Driscoll. yeah. It's Brousseau, yeah. Between Roberts and O'Driscoll, Roberts is involved in the tackle. Yes, he gets it really quickly, sets him into position, right? Uh, David Wallace comes around the corner of the guard. Tom Croft just sort of goes for a walk. Like, I think he, I think he goes out for this little dawdle, through the, thinking this is a nice patch of grass. You know, lots of people around. Uh, Realises he's forgotten his dock. Starts to turn back to go and, you know, because he's holding the lead anyway. And then John Smith flies past him and scores a try. So John, John Smith... Um... You know, he runs very hard. I do think it's a questionable tackle attempt by Jamie Roberts as well, but in fairness, he had just oh, gotten yeah, up from making another one. Roberts has just got up from making a tackle, and he's trying to cover like eight or nine. Yeah, inches. yeah, Like he's covering difficult. inside and outside him, and Croft is nowhere to be seen. It's Croft just, be folding into the it's a powerful run for the line by John Schmidt, and I think he takes the try very really well. Really well timed line. And you know what? Really it's, well it's one of those things that the Springboks play at tempo with big men. Mm. You know, and it's yes. one of those things that's really difficult to defend when you're constantly coming around the corner and thinking, right, there's nothing more tiring in a game of rugby than making tackle after tackle, is there? So yeah, uh, having no, to exactly. be on the move and make loads of tackles was such a difficult thing for the Lions to contain. And John Smith scoring that try, you know, it was very much a system-led try. It was very much a team-led try. He happened to be the person latching onto it at the end and crashing over. Mm. So, yeah, I think Tom Croft remembered in this game for scoring two tries, mm. right? Um, which we'll get onto, obviously. But beyond that, he is completely anonymous. I noticed this three times. You know how, like, Tom Croft is often cited as, like, the first edge forward, right? Yeah, yeah, You know, like, he was, like, the invention of that. Well, no, sure. something that's always happened is the kind of wing forward and so on. But, like, in the modern game... I know what you Tom mean, Croft though. Like, often used on the wing. And in kind terms of, like, of, like, big left boot, runs quite fast. You know, he's kind yeah. of like a winger, but he's also kind of like a second row. He, he works in that role that, like, the Fallertown and so on are often used in now. Sure. He's a toy... Um, where they're kind of in between the 13 and wing channel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he was used there a lot by Leicester uh, and then by the Lions as well. Yeah. They shouldn't be using their own defence, though. Yeah. There's yeah. like three times you just see him stood on the wing in defence. And yeah. your flanker, maybe I'm old fashioned, but I'd have thought your flanker should be somewhere making sure. tackles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a funny one, that. But, you know, you think, oh, yeah, the Lions will, the Lions will learn from this, you know. Um, they go 7-0 down, and then straight afterwards, there's the whole Monia thing. And then yeah. scrums start to happen, Robbie. They, scrums yeah, so, scrums exist in a game of rugby. And you notice this on the what a mess. Monia chance comes straight off the back of a scrum. Yeah. And really, the space opens up because South Africa go for that full eight-man shot. Yeah, they're all... And you can see, <laughs> by the time the ball comes out, Phil Vickery is like back in Cornwall. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. He's yeah. been driven away off the ball. Uh, and Eliza Lucky, it was... They had like the Lions had it called. They were going to quick ball out the scrum for this move. Uh, they are really lucky that was the case because otherwise yeah. they are losing that ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the reason why Monia had the space on the edge was because uh, I think fourteen of the South African team were all just pummeling Phil Vickery on the floor. Yeah. Also, everyone buys Jamie Roberts' dummy line. Yeah, really, yeah, really good yeah, line yeah. Runs. And is it Stephen Jones or O'Driscoll does the miss pass? 
Uh, Driscoll. Driscoll, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, he could pick, pick out a missed pass, couldn't he? He was so good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you take. then get to the next scrum, and having, again, almost driven the Lions off their own ball, South Africa go, should we actually do it this time, lads? Vickery and levitates, hey. man! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Wingardium like, Leviosa. There's, there's th- that first scrum, I kind of thought, like, oh, okay, this is quite interesting, because um, Smith's, like, dominated Gethin Jenkins here, you know, this is quite, quite interesting. Mm. Then you see it on the reverse angle, and you go, oh, wait, I mean, he does, don't get me wrong, like, he, he does dominate Gethin Jenkins, mm. but a lot of this is that the Beast has just picked up Phil Vickery and taken him for a walk, you know. On the Dogmaster thing you did recently, Lee from Blood and Mud, mm. who've had on the podcast before, yes. did a very, very good summing, a recreation of um, yes. Phil Vickery that day. I would highly recommend going and watching that, um, if you haven't already. Yes. It's, it's well worth finding, uh, if only to see uh, his steak tenderising mallet. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> the Lions... Okay, this is just of completed scrums. Mm-hmm. So, right, not including ones where the ball didn't get in, right? The Lions lost four completed scrums against the head. Wow. Yep. Wow. That's an... Against the head. You know what the most surprising thing is? I thought it was mm-hmm. more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's also, there'll also be a handful of scrums. I think there were two scrums where they lost it before the ball went in. Yeah. And every scrum must have its own ball, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, they're then winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against the head. And... Um, it's probably the stats are boosted by, you know, what happens just after half time. But this first half in particular, all of those scrums in the first half, right? Yeah. Uh, I believe there were uh, seven scrums in the first half, alliance scrums in the first half, uh, and four of them they lose against the head. My God, that's mental. And, you know, there's, there's, there's one of them, it's just before the ball comes in. And Lawrence has clearly already got it in his head. Like, Vickery doesn't mm. have a leg to stand on yeah. here. And rightly so, he's getting not dominated. He's giving away penalties all the time. Naturally, the referee's going to look at that and think. You know, there's only one way this this penalty's going, uh, even before yeah. the ball comes in. I think that that pr- was probably quite telling of how good it was going for the beast. You know, um, yeah, 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 yeah. And PR kicks it over, and they're ten nil up only ten minutes into the game. Uh, we've been talking for forty five minutes with ten minutes into the game, um, <laughs> but a lot of it. Uh, we do get a moment just after this though on yeah. the prop front, right? Uh, South Africa in their own half, they have a bit of an overlap after trying to, you know, it's one of those where they look to kick, then they're like, wait a second, we've got a massive overlap. We've got mm. this guy called Brian Habana out there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It to Brian oh, Habana. yes. Brian Habana looks up and he sees only a prop in front of him. And for some reason, this prop is showing him the outside. Like, <laughs> go on, go on, take me if you can. And I love who came on, you just go and like, yeah, you can have him. You can have him. <laughs> Brian Habana, having been World Cup winner, top scorer in the last World Cup, Former World Player of the Year, uh, the best player in Rugby 08. Um, yeah, ev- everything you could possibly say about Brian Habana, right, says Brian Habana should beat this prop. However, once you fill in that that prop is Geffen Jenkins, you know Habana hasn't got a chance. Yeah. yeah Geffen shows him the outside, then hunts him down and takes him out. Easy. It's Easy. incredible. Yeah. He slides him down and then Ugo Monia wins a breakdown turnover off the back of it. And he gets a I penalty think- of it. It's my second favourite Geffen Jenkins tackle to his one on Zach Guilford in, I think, 2009, where he chased back from, like, the 13 channel. Uh, Guilford was on the end of an overlap, and Geffen chases him back and takes him out. Uh, like, he, he, he probably does, like, a like a winger's <laughs> chase back on the angle on a wing. Nice, yeah. It's terrific. That is, um, yeah, yeah, so he does this on Habana. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, uh, there's there's a point... Um... I think Rhiannon Garth-Jones, friend of the pod, burst. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's another great point where um, mm. South Africa dropped the ball, knock-on is given, scrum to the lines, and Phil Vickery oh, sighs. You can literally <laughs> see him sighing. He doesn't want a, a put into his own scrum because he's that terrified of the beast just atomizing him. 
Phil Vickery seems like such a good lad. Yeah, I really like him. He's such a genuinely nice guy. Yeah. And he's won MasterChef. Yeah. And was a great player. You know, this podcast won't do won't do credit to how great a player Phil Vickery was. You know, we won't do him justice here. But he was like a world class player for a very long time. And props to the beast. Yeah, well, yeah, literal props. Um, Props eaten by him. Um, Phil Vickery, you know, was a World Cup winner. Captained England how many ever times, you know, 180 caps, mm-hmm. um, you know, Captain Gloucester for how many ever years, Captain Wasps for how many ever years, played in Premiership Finals, you know, did it all, did it all, right? He is remembered for two things, winning MasterChef and getting eaten by the Beast. Hey, he did win a World Cup as well. Yeah, as, like, but... When you say Phil Vickery's name, more people think of him winning MasterChef <laughs> and this Lions game. A very well accomplished man. Winning the World Cup. Yeah. yeah. I like Phil Vickery. I've got written yeah. in my notes at Why some point. Why not go to Raging Bull Clothes and buy mm. his hats? Yeah. Yeah. He now sells hats. Uh. Um, what a front row you've got here. What does Geffen Jenkins sell now? He's a, he's a DJ and a coach. Yeah, I guess so. He, he sells valuable advice. Yes. But uh. yeah, so you've got. You've got a full party, I think, here. Right? Well, you've got you a MasterChef and a crisp row, salesman. This front row, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got a MasterChef who sells hats and jo- hats and shorts yeah. now. You've got a man who sells everything you need for a buffet, providing yep. all your guests only eat crisps, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is a recommended diet. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got an incredibly talented but grumpy DJ in Gavin yeah. Jenkins. Yeah, you've That's got a perfect party. balance. Look, look. I've never been to a party, but that's what I imagine they're like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and hey, I would go to a party ho- hosted by those three. I would hope to be invited and inevitably not be invited to a party run by those three. N- yeah, I guess so. Um, I've got written down on my notes at some point here. Lions opt for scrum and get fucking murdered. Yeah, it was dumb, wasn't it? Yeah. I don't know why at, what, at any point in the game they would opt for a scrum, but you um, know. Around there as well, uh, Foy Dupria goes to kick the ball and misses it. Yes, yes, so that's the one where Tom Croft um, shoulder barges in. And yeah, I find yeah. that a, re- a really iconic moment because Foy Dupria clearly, it's a quite speculative kick he goes for, but clearly he doesn't care if he drops the ball because he knows the beast's going to win it back for him. <laughs> yes, yeah, he knows it's fine. Automatic yeah. possession. And guess what? When he drops the ball, guess what happens? The beast, the beast it back for him. wins it back for him, him, gets a penalty, Franz Ostein kicks it, they go 13-0 up. Like, they gained three points from Freud Prey dropping that ball. <laughs> it's still funny to watch one of the greatest players of all time uh, be unable to complete a skill that I know I can. <laughs> Just this, I love those moments. You yeah, know? yeah. I love dropping the ball. It's my favourite thing to do yeah. on a rugby pitch. Um, yeah. Anyone You're who's played it, with, with or against me will know that that's my, my, my true um, passion in rugby. Yes. Uh, they also keep, all throughout this first half, cutting to Sean Edwards a lot. Yeah, they do, don't they? And just waiting for him to get visibly angry, which yeah, happens a couple just, of times. Just showing him being quite frustrated. Because yeah. he's sat near the touchline, doesn't have his book of poetry with him. Yeah. Uh, which for anyone that doesn't know Sean Edwards inside out, uh, Sean Edwards is a diehard Christian, you know, like really, really um, orthodox, and carries a book of poetry to games with him and has it with him at all times to calm him down. Yeah. So that if ever he's getting too angry with the game, he can read a poem back yeah. and calm himself down, which is magnificent. Yeah. And really, Andy, he should have uh, Andy Fowler's book of poems, which includes the poem, The Hurt Arena. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe maybe um, some of Mauro Toje's poetry, but then it'll probably make him more angry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's no way Sean Edwards enjoy Mauro Toje's poetry. No, no. 
Um, should we should we talk about the uh, the next try? Yes. So uh, there's a few moments that the Lions attack in this first half that are genuinely very good. Yes. Right. And there are things they're doing in attack that would work today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's like, one that tip on attack. ball where uh, David Wallace goes through. I was about to mention that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they have basically five players running the same flat line but yeah. staggered so yeah. that Phillips could hit any of them from nine. Yeah. And, and then if if they instead went Stephen Jones, he could have hit any of the other four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And instead it goes to Lee Mears and he flicks it on like it's a Pringle to yeah. David Wallace who goes <laughs> that right That pass cost David Wallace 11p. <laughs> yes. It's really good and that would work nowadays yeah. and it's yeah, something yeah, we've yeah. seen France run something similar under um, in the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, you know, just like giving DuPont as many options as possible. Sure. Uh, but I don't think it's as crisp. No, pun no, no, nowhere near. That is for the Lions. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so there's, it's it's really promising and there's a few bits that where they really, really build and they look like so, they're, they're going somewhere. Yeah. So there's a phase where so Stephen Jones has Jamie Roberts and Brian O'Driscoll outside him, and he runs a really nice wraparound move. And this is a move that's been in the game for such a long time, but it's always going to be effective, I think. You know, if you ask Johnny Sexton, then definitely. But because because of the way it's evolved, in that Stephen Jones runs around Jamie Roberts to run this wrap, and then Roberts obviously has the option to either hit O'Driscoll or give it to Stephen Jones in the boot. Uh, and you know it's it's quite a hard thing to defend because mm. you've got three th- three players to defend, and Jamie Roberts then just decides he's just going to run hard, and then he's got O'Driscoll to run runs the perfect line to go straight through the gap, steps the fullback, offloads to Tom Croft. It's just a technically perfect try because it's just like Stephen Jones runs the right line on that loop, mm. which just gives Roberts the right time to to feed O'Driscoll, and o- O'Driscoll's yeah. line of running and his his balance on the run is so so sublime. It's really good, and I think it's a banner on that wing out wide. Um, yeah. who does a? It's one of these skills, right? It's one of these things that's unappreciated in rugby. How good a job Habana does at blocking O'Driscoll's passing options, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Lions have two men spare. Habana managed to position his body so that he can't get it to either Bo or Byrne. Yeah, who were yeah, both yeah. running good support lines and t- two um, world class finishes at the time as yeah. well. You know, so O'Driscoll doesn't stick to his prearranged idea. Doesn't stick to the move as they would have called it, as they would have expected yeah. it to go. And instead improvises, tries to cut back inside, eats up all the space himself, and yeah. just waits for support to appear around him. And I watched every angle back, and I can't find out how Tom Croft appears there. Because literally, the camera in theory, you should be able to. And Croft is just there, suddenly, on every yeah. single angle. Yeah. And he also has to stop still. Like, I think Croft sort of is beginning to overrun it, and then stops himself. Yeah, yeah, he does, over. yeah. He definitely does, yeah. But, you know, credit to him getting there and finishing the try. And, and adapting you know, to Bod's line. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because Bod is so unpredictable at the best of times yeah. that playing on his team can, can probably be, a bit, you know, a bit confusing, I imagine. So, uh, yeah, 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 so they score that, and uh, they're 13-7 at that point. And then straight afterwards from the kickoff, the Lions get another attacking opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, which they so nearly take. Lee Byrne gets done correctly for crossing. Yeah. O'Driscoll runs around him with ease and sets up Tommy Bow to get him into the corner, but obviously the penalty's been given. But it's, I mean, again, O'Driscoll does sublimely well there. Like My it's, God, it's a yeah. far less easy two on one than it looks. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Uh, and like, very, very easy. The thing um, is, like, quite often, mm. Burns' blocking line would not be penalised because there wouldn't be a player good enough to actually make a break off the back of it. You know? Yes. Like, quite often, yeah, those yeah. lines will happen and a player would just kind of, like, not... would just kind of take a ball in, you know, whatever. But to have yeah. a player who's that good that it can be made so obvious that Burn takes out two players because they are yeah. that quick and so adept in space that also, the penalty is absolutely the right call uh, and the Springboks survive it. When going through 2009 and 2011 about how high tackles and a lot of other offences are far more harshly penalised. Yes. Uh, we covered this a bit in 2011, but obstruction and crossing is the one thing that is far less harshly penalised. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of was. the biggest difference between um, rugby 2009 and rugby now. Well, it's, for me, I don't. I don't think it's the biggest, but it's, I think it's, well, it's certainly. I think it's one of them because difference. you know, in, in terms of the shape difference. people play, you know, um, having having hit it. runners and it's, stuff is such an important part of today's oh, game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you just meant the, the refereeing wise. No, no, no. Um, yeah, no. It absolutely. Yeah, completely. That's that has completely um, changed the way the game is played. It's certainly way up there. But that's the thing, right? People complain. I sometimes see people complain about obstruction and so on constantly happening, but that's the only place space is coming from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. obstructions and blocking runs and so yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is where space is coming from in the last five yeah. years. Because yeah. defenders have got so good. Yeah. Uh, and defenders are so good at reading whatever's going to happen that you only get it if you're putting three or four options in their face. Good teams have kind of ditched the concept of counter-attack as well. So, like, when teams kick long, they're often coached to just kind of not bother trying to sidestep anybody or give any flashy passes. Just get the ball you know, into centre field and then yeah. just look for, you know, look up and see which of your players is making a hole for you. Who's who's pointing to a gap for you, you know? Um, and running straight is kind of the best way to do a counter-attack these days because somebody will open a gap somewhere, all being well, for you to at least make a bit of an advancement, if not a break. And you look at most tries in the last few years that have come off counter-attack, they've come off the second phase after counter-attack. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've come off either the fullback or often the number eight in the backfield, I... thundering in, and then things being rearranged. So you look at Scotland and the Six Nations were dropping Finn Russell into the backfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not so that he could actually counterattack himself. Yeah. But so that he would just kind of wait in in spaces where no one's going to kick to, so yeah. he could organise the attack. And he can scan. You know, like George Ford yeah, would point exactly. out does that quite a lot. You know, yeah, yeah, I think Ford's I think we're going to have a surge of big strong fullbacks coming up who, who whose first job is to just get over the advantage line obviously you know number eight dropping to the backfield is, is oh. quite a common thing but i feel like we are going to get bigger fullbacks because counter-attack is going to be less about good feet you know Jaden Hayward so gutted his time yeah. past him isn't it scott spedding <laughs> where were you when we needed you if only if only um i also just watching this game back made me think 
I think we must be coming to the end of the kicking phase. Rugby in 2021 is currently in. Because this this tour represented the end of the kicking phase in 2009. Yeah, yeah. You know, they kind of taken... It was really unfortunate that a kicking phase... You know, it's the kind of thing... Eddie Jones talked about this a lot. Of like, rugby always goes between a kicking phase and a yeah, yeah, yeah. phase. And normally, lately, since ever since 2007 where it was very much kicking phase on the World Cup mm-hmm. where every team kicked is what I'm sort of referring to the idea that like that's yeah. how teams attacked was teams yeah. didn't really counterattack they just they focused on kicking because uh, defence got on top of attack and you know it was goes between attack phase and defence phase currently kicking is completely on top of both defence yeah. and attack yeah. um, and watching this game back this was the end of a kicking phase that encompassed the 2009 uh, I suppose no it carried on a bit after this but this was the start of things you could see kind of sure. attacks on and see back in and by the following year, by the following Six Nations, it had come round and the tag was on top again. Yeah. Um, and watching this made me feel like, thinking back on that Lion series, we are very close to this happening to that kicking game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we start to see bits of it in the Six Nations, then weirdly it didn't happen in the Lions. Yeah. I think it probably start to happen over the course of the um, Rugby Championship, but I'm, I don't, you know, it's hard to say for certain. Yeah, maybe not as um, soon as that, but... Um, but I think it's going to start to happen in the next sort of six yeah. months. By by the autumn, certainly by the Six Nations, we're going to see things swing back a bit. Yeah, I think. yeah. And we're going to see a far more open attacking game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that hopefully carries through to the World Cup in twenty three. So uh, to carry on, the Beast Muller's victory again. So it goes sixteen yeah. seven. There's a few of them. There's one of them uh, where just like he's the knocks on at the base. There's a few of them where he yeah, could go yeah. out there, and it did get me thinking. Tolupi Falatau was eighteen at this point. He could have played. Oh my god! Oh, that would have been that would have been a lot of fun if that happened. It would have been very controversial, don't get me wrong. But, yes. Uh, yeah. Bloody um, McGee and then, his Welsh bias. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he could have been capped by Tonga at this point, you know. <laughs> and then uh, uh, after this, um, uh, the Beast uh, Muller's for Vickery again. So it goes to 19-7. Wait a second. Because I've got in my notes here, and it doesn't happen until after that, the Beast Muller's for Vickery. Yeah, yeah, it happens You've again, got... man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because then after that, the Beast Mother's Phil Vickery. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then after that, do you know what happens? Does the Beast... No, he can't do it. No, can't no, 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 not again. It's just, it's a bit, bit mean, that. It's not very rugby, that, is it? There's a point after one of these scrums where uh, I skipped forward through, you know, a restart or stoppage or something, mm-hmm. kind of pressing the, like, the fast forward 10 seconds button. And um, it combined Paul O'Connell, Ruan Pinar, and some analysis of the scrum together to create this sentence. RuPaul struggled in the scrum there. <laughs> Which, to be fair, RuPaul would struggle in yeah, the scrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially against Tendame Talia. You know? Yeah. Look, if Phil Vickery's not going to do very well, I dread to think how RuPaul would do in a scrum against him. <laughs> but I wouldn't be able to take my eyes off it either. Very true. He's going to be glamorous in the process, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Jean de Villiers makes a break from a kickoff, tries this really speculative flick pass, attempting to find Brian Habana and send him in from 70 yards. Instead, he finds Bucky's Porter, yes. who just decides, I'm I'm not going to run forwards. I'm going to deliberately stop and hand people off to show I'm hard. He didn't really need to show that, did he, Bucky's? No. But he, he liked to anyway, because he was. Yeah. He could have... He, I wish he just lined up like Morad Bougerol. Yeah. Hey, we should introduce him to RuPaul. Hey, and to this entire South African team, because they all ended up signing for him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But um, anyway, yeah, so Jean de Villiers made that break and, you know, was very casual in the way he did that. Speaking of casual, J.P. Peterson's chip and chase, where he goes around Jamie Heaslip, like, 
he's he is walking like he forgets to sp- press the sprint button and still gets around he slip with ease yeah. and regathers this this chip that he does and just looks so graceful in the way he done it does it like jp peterson's one of these players who like people forget how skilled he was just because he was fast and he was big so like he was always really fired up and like um and because jp peterson's one of those players that unfortunately kept going far longer than he should have yeah, I guess, but I I don't think. Oh, I know. To be fair, he did have that poor spell at the end of his career, didn't he? Yeah, he did. So yeah. he, you know, he was brilliant. You know, obviously starting the World Cup final, started in the Lions series, was great in all of those. Uh, I had, forgot about again, that. Continues his form through to the next World Cup, um, but then by 2015, you're going. Are we still going? And by the time he signed for Leicester, never mind. You know, the teams he played mm. for after that, you were going. Oh, he's still in 2015, going. he was you know, still very good, so in fairness. 2015, he was I, still an international caliber. No, I think that's um, harsh, man. I think he was great in, tw- in the 2015 World Cup. Like, he was still scoring tries. He was still hitting I, things no, hard. That was it. He like, was great. I remember thinking he was done before that World Cup and yeah. then playing well in the World Cup itself. Yeah, yeah, he was um, great in the World Cup. He, Leicester was he re-found some questionable. Form. Yeah, then he signed for Leicester for after the World Cup. It did not go well. Mm. He then was too long and was an absolute shadow yeah, of himself, yeah, yeah. by which I mean he couldn't make tackles and couldn't catch the ball because shadows don't have arms. Yeah. But yeah, J.P. Peterson was just so, so But no, that's the thing. Like um, J.P. Peterson, sorry, the point I was making was he was a absolutely brilliant player. Yeah. Um, and just one of those players who got really, really unlucky. I just think... The fact that he, you know, he, he had a few bad games and they clouded his career. I think he's it. such a timeless winger, man. Like, I think him and Habana complemented mm. each other brilliantly, but like, he was quick, he was balanced, he could kick, you know, um, and he was angry, you know, like he hit everything. And the amount of times oppositions will have, uh, opposition fans will have gone, oh, JP Peterson's a bit of a prick, isn't he? Like, I would have said that at, at so many points, <laughs> but like, in the best yeah. way possible, because like, he knows how to yeah. rile up his opposition and he, the annoying, most annoying thing about it is he always comes out on top of them, you know? Like, he will shit-talk mm. his opposite man, and then he'll outrun him. And that is that is the yeah, annoying yeah. thing. Like, he was so, so talented, and he completely backed up the, we the the brashness he brought to the field. Saw it a bit in this game as well, but also great under the high ball. Yes! Uh, which wasn't a given at this point as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Obviously played quite a lot of fullback as well for the spring. Yeah, games, yeah. But, and, you know, all levels. Yeah. Oh, he's such a good player. Yeah, of course, such a good player. Of course, was named after J.P.R. Williams. Oh, of course. So, of course he was. Must run in the name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of fullbacks, so Lee Byrne goes off injured. Rob Carney comes on. Very good yes. replacement to have because that was quite up in the air who was going to play the game anyway, you know. Hey! <sighs> up in the air, like they do, like they go. Like, nice, nice. Uh, like the film Up in the Air, which came out this year in 2000. Shut up. Uh, starring George Clooney. So, that's where my brain's been for two weeks. I've exclusively thought about Jason Reitman's career. So, Rob Carney is absolutely possessed after he comes on. He looks like the Satan that got out me when I burped and joined him. He is covering every single blade of grass furiously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he looks... He is... I, I've rarely seen a fullback as, like, almost angry as him I've never like, not in the way that like Stuart Hogg was starting fights in that Lions test but he is just determined to cover every single blade of grass like, I just it's the kind of performance you normally see from flankers I look at Rob Carney and I think I've never seen like a back on a rugby field who is determined to have less fun than he is <laughs> yes yes absolutely like he he is just your task boring I shall complete it yeah yeah it's at boring Carney um yes. I, like I was I was just convinced that, like, he, he just wanted to, like, anything that would just result in that is positive, good. That's all he cares about, yes. you know? He 
he forgot why he played rugby in the first place, you know. Um, but yeah, he was he was good when he came on, you know. And he there's a point where he has he's on the end of an overlap. Well, he's no in an overlap, and if he draws the man and gives it to Tommy Bowes, it's a try scoring chance. I'm not going. I sure. don't think it would have been a try itself. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Carney goes himself, but you're thinking it would have been wrong if he did anything else, considering the way he's playing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The way Carney's playing is so focused on himself. Don't think about it passing. Would have felt really weird if he passed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I wouldn't have trusted him to. Yeah, it's the, the, he's the Teddy Thomas complex, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> it is not worth it. Uh, on uh, thirty-seven minutes, um, Phil Vickery gets mulled at the scrum again. Uh, Piano misses a penalty, oh. and they go in for half time. Uh, not long after this, okay. um, uh, Jay Peterson kicks it out really angrily for half time. Uh, he does a really weird spinning box kick. Um, yeah, it's not dissimilar to Faf in the second test this year. Yeah, yeah, it's quite similar to that actually. Yeah, so s- second half, we'll just crack on, why don't we? Second half. Roberts takes the kickoff. They have a nice sort of phase of attack. And Phil Rickery gets penalised in the loose this time. <laughs> yeah. And they then cut to Adam Jones on the bench. Yeah. And when the go, cameras are cutting to somebody sitting it. down, you you think, you know, it's enough of a talking point that everybody's eyes I mean, on somebody playing badly. Look, they cut to Harry Ellis. That's how desperate they were to get him off. <laughs> Put literally anyone on. They cut to RuPaul at one point. <laughs> but um, uh, the thing is it's such a difficult thing to sit here and be critical of a game like that because mm. if I'd had that performance Phil Vickery had you know I'd be so embarrassed and like so like self-conscious and you know you imagine he was really beating himself up after it when yeah. literally the guy opposite him played a lot better than him and that's just kind of the yeah. way it went yeah, yeah. that uh, Phil Vickery as I've said countless times was a brilliant player and Tendai just took him to the cleaners that day, and but and you the, really feel for Vickery in a way because everyone's calling him to come off. Position where the opposition player, you know, in the kind of corresponding position to you, hmm. um, so you know, tired rather than loose head, um, or the other way around, playing incredibly, incredibly well prevents you from playing. Yeah, incredibly yeah, incredibly like well. they determine like, how well you play. Yeah, like if if a fly half. If Ron Pienaar played as well as the Beast did, right? Yeah. It would have been entirely possible for Stephen Jones to play as well as he did. Yeah, yeah, it would not reflect on it. The Beast playing that well means that Phil Vickery suddenly has an absolute pasting. Yeah, absolutely. So it happens that um, Adam Jones comes on for Phil Vickery about three yeah. or four minutes into the half. Uh, yeah. And, you know, there is a sigh of relief going around and you really feel for Vicks, bless him. Yeah. I do. If I were Phil Vickery, I'd want to be pulled at halftime. Yeah, I kind of wouldn't want the the embarrassment, the extra five minutes of emptying the tank and so on. Yeah, and like, there's an argument he should just come on in the first half, Adam Jones. I think, I think if the game was like now, I think that that's possible that that would have happened because I think that first half substitutions, particularly in the front row, are much more of a thing now than they used to be. No, they are. Or even at fly half, to be honest, like it's happened before where. um, uh, Eddie Jones did it, has done it a couple of times. Oh, there was the Tamara Harrison incident Tamara Harrison. where he um, took him off. Uh, was Luther it Luther Burrell was the other one? Yeah, and he played with two yeah. playmakers instead. Like, it happens, you know. Um, front rowers, as I say, I mean, there's the Italian mm-hmm. tactic, obviously. I remember Reese Carey had, got pulled off for Wales um, yeah, in the first half. Ireland. Yeah, against Ireland when he was getting hammered in the scrum. And it's one of those things that I think international rugby just generally is a lot more ruthless now than it was in 2009. Yeah. But I do feel like there would have been a lot less care for Vickery's confidence by pulling off before half time. Phil Vickery is also you're also quite lucky in that he is an established player. As I said, he's won a World Cup. He's yeah. been around for a very long time at this point. This was him coming into the end of his career. Yeah, this tour. 
And he was, as shown in clips in the Lions documentary this year, such a well-respected figure that he seemed to be closer to the coaches than the other players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, him being the guy who suffered this level of humiliation yeah. was it's probably, it's an awful thing to say, but like, if anyone had to, he's probably the guy who could take it manager. I know best. what you mean, though. I know what you mean. And, like, you know, I guess you're alluding to a couple of things that happen, you see on the DVD, mm. that happen after this, that kind of define his strength of character, you know? And yeah. that is what makes him such a good lion rather than, yeah. you know, him taking a pasting from the best loose head prop in the world in the first test. Him, you know, there's a there's a hug between him and Ian McGeekin in the documentary. Yeah, and Geek's just crying his eyes back out. And playing, yeah, far better in the third test. Yeah. Um, both of them, you know, really show that, again, we said he's a nice lad, and obviously he had the worst game of his career yeah. here, but there's a lot more to be said about Fugicry. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot yeah. more you're not seeing on the pitch yeah. in this game. So Adam Jones's first act on the field is to defend a South African line-out. Yes. Which goes pretty well for the, the... box. South Africa awarded the penalty from about mm-hmm. the 22 meter line. Very kickable. They've been kicking all of those the whole uh, first half. It is 19 7. Uh, they kick for the corner. It is almost instantly 26 uh, 7. Adam Jones does like a really good job of defending that until he's yeah. told to roll, roll peel away. Yeah. Um, at which point, yeah, they were around and Heinrich Brousseau scored. Yeah, yeah. And he deserved a try, man. Like, he, yeah, he yeah. was a menace. And yeah, he comes up with the ball. It could have been any of the Springbok pack coming up with that, but. They they totally deserved that man. Like their driving lineout yeah. was spot on all day. They then, a few minutes after this, bring off Heinrich Brousseau and bring on Danny Russo. Yeah, right. And bringing on Russo for Brousseau is kind of like you know when you're playing Scrabble, right? And you're going to put down a really good word, then you realize actually if you change it slightly, you can put over triple word score. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's what replacing you know changing Brousseau to Russo is. Sure, sure. Putting the U in later, removing the B at the start. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although that said, uh, Donny Rousseau spelt with an O rather than a U. He's Rosso. No, he's got a U later. No, no, no. Yeah, look yeah, at exactly. it. Exactly. There's a yeah. Russo's Russo. Oh, I don't know. Let's... The the good thing is we're no, not he's... actually playing rugby player Scrabble no, 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 right no. now. Oh, okay, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, fine. Um, yeah, exactly. You're just changing a bit, aren't you? Yeah, you're changing just a little bit. Yeah. Um, we should play rugby player Scrabble though. That'd be. A we should really do that next episode. We'll ditch the uh, second. Can test. you am is <laughs> <laughs> you desperately need am, don't you? Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, at one point as well, then the Lions get down into the 22, and they have you know a bit of a period of pressure. So Mike Phillips almost scores. Uh, yeah. The, the referee is very reluctant to let Christoph Burdos have any yeah. word on it. Backy's um, Borter kind of intervenes quite well yeah. to, to make sure Gets Phillips Gets a hand in as Phillips is, yeah. Phillips is reaching out. Borter kind of slaps it. Lee Mears dives on it. Uh, Lee Mears is then taken off to go to the sideline because Sean Edwards is starting to get angry and needs some monster munch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, he, he pulls his 22p out of his pocket and gets two crisps. Um, yeah. The Tommy Bow makes a break as well. Side note, right? Go on. About Lee Mears, because I think this is the last we see of him on the tour. Yeah. Oh, no, he plays a third test, doesn't he? No, never mind. Um, Lee Mears has enormous, enormous nice uncle energy. Yeah, I really liked Lee Mears. I remember... Yeah. Um, there was a, a rugby player special of The Weakest Link. Mm. Where, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, it's a UK sort of game show on television. Yeah, it um, was a yeah, yeah, yeah. game show that was on every day. And they had a celebrity special of rugby players. And Lee Mears was on that. And I can remember feeling really, really guilty because I realised he's a really nice lad and I really like him. And it was th- that was like one of the first times I realised how much I like genuinely loved an England player. 
<laughs> and he sold he the host and Robinson quite a lot of crisps that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she was loaded up for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, and Jamie Roberts won the thing as well. Doctor Who. Jamie Roberts won it. Uh, Andy Powell. Um, oh, yeah, he, he thought... Which, that... Yes, go on. Which schoolboy wizard uh, featured in the books uh, The Chamber of Secrets and The Prisoner of Azkaban? And he said The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> um, oh. And what's his other great answer? There was... Um, Anne Robinson asked him, um, the word rugby begins with le- which letter in the alphabet? And he had to think, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thomas Castanier was on it, former France fly mm. And he was asked, you know, like custard cream and hot or whatever. Yeah. Digestives, yeah. Are types of what word beginning in B? And he said, he kind of waited for a second and went, but <laughs> oh. Still, whenever I see him as a pundit, I think, but There's highlights of that on YouTube. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, um, yeah. It's good. It's worth watching. Yeah. We're not going to do a bonus episode on it as, as much as um, it feels like we just have. Anyway, back to the lion's test. <laughs> from 2009 uh, Tommy Bow makes a break where oh, he just man. runs a really nice hard line off Phillips' yeah. shoulder um, and then he tries a really uh, high risk offload luckily mm. it comes off a South African hand so the Lions get a scrum great great yeah. thing but then again they have actually got Adam Jones on now who is like one of the best tight heads of all time yes. so this is Adam Jones's first scrum yeah. and the Lions get a nudge on suddenly. Yeah. Suddenly the Lions are on top. And you suddenly realise... nowhere. <laughs> the thing is, I don't know if you did this, so hmm. the Lions uh, have this scrum, the ball comes in, you see it, he slips feet, obviously you have the moment of dread of, oh no, it's about to go hmm. backwards. They take a step forward and then you suddenly look at the scoreboard and think, okay, what can we do now? <laughs> like, yes. how far beyond us is this? Yeah, so the Lions do go for the corner and they keep pushing for a while. Yeah. And they have quite a long sustained period of attack where they're on top of South Africa but not able to cross the line. Yeah. Um, my favourite moment during this. So Stephen Jones takes the ball on the short side, offloads to Adam Jones, who then offloads mm. to Alan Wynne Jones, who carries it in, right? Miles Harrison's commentary goes as following. I wrote it down. Jones. Because <laughs> he... He doesn't. He covered it. He doesn't need he to overwrite it. it, you know. No, he's like, well, Jones has it still. Yeah, that's fair. So this, <laughs> you don't need to replace it. This period of attack is called short because Matthew Reese punches Dan, you know, a PS base on the floor. <laughs> what well, a weird thing that is. It's kind of a punch. It's like perfectly halfway between being a fist so, and an open palm, uh, but he just kind of swings his arm into him. So this was back before the TMO could step in for foul play, right? Yeah. So it had to be the touch judges. Yeah. So the touch judge calls over uh, Bryce Lawrence. Um, and we kind of cut back to it. Stuart uh, Dickinson. Stuart Dickinson, thank you. Uh, they've shown us Brian Habana and having a go at Matthew mm. Reese afterwards. Yes. Um, and that's the only footage we've seen up until now. And it's rare to see Habana get that fiery as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, he was yeah. really he furious with him. He, Brian Habana is genuinely maybe the nicest man I've ever met. Right? Yeah. Like, Brian Habana is unbelievably lovely. Have you met Brian Habana? I've you met never Brian mentioned Habana. it. Um, I've got Brian Habana's number, mate. It's, it's genuinely... Oh, what's that? Um, uh, it's 11. Okay. Um, uh, so, yeah, so Matthew Reese kind of... He swings, as you say, what... You can't see it mm. because there's only one angle of it and the kind of... The, um, is Brousseau, isn't it? Uh, oh, I thought it was Rousseau. Space. Rousseau. Oh, oh, Space. oh Space. Sorry, yeah. Space. Yeah, yeah. One of them. What? Whichever South African it is, he hits. Yeah. Uh, he hits them. You can't see what his hand is, if it's a fist or a 
palm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because the head is in the way. And he hits them. And this is a really weird place to punch someone if he is punching them. On the space between the shoulder and the neck. Yeah. Right? No one has ever aimed to punch someone there before. Yeah, yeah. It's a really, like, not very good strike. Um, which think... is why it's just a penalty. Yeah. I think he's going for that thing, you know, when they kind of like, get an arm off him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's no arm on him. Yeah, yeah. So it, there's sort of nothing in it. Like, it is just a penalty. Yeah. But when the toucher calls him across, and his words are, uh, he asks, you know, he says there was a punch. Um, and, you know, Bryce Thomas then says, you've punched someone, I'm penalising you yeah. <laughs> to him. Uh, and Matthew Reese goes, wait, what? Like, I have punched people. That was not a punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Matthew Reese knows how to throw a good punch. Like, clearly yeah, he wasn't yeah. trying. There are stories. So the toucher says to him, um, Stuart Dickinson, I-, I didn't see where he made contact, but it could have been the head. <laughs> Which nowadays yeah. we would look at that 16 times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there'd probably be a card. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess it was a bad enough punch that he didn't get sent off for it. So. But also, from where the touch judge was stood, it looked like a punch to the head. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind yeah. of very flat yeah. angle. Yeah, yeah. you can totally see why he called it like that. Um, so the penalty gets reversed, so I have to go back downfield. Yeah. There's a point where the Lions try like a kind of back row move off the back of a scrum. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Croft gives Jamie Roberts like a really good carry, uh, kind of by popping out early from the scrum. And it's just one of those novelty yeah. things, like you'd never see that now. And then the Lions eventually get back into the Springbok 22. And the Springbok defence is so, so good. Like, they're just not presenting them anything. Eventually, Brian O'Driscoll's forced into trying this chip over the top to find Tommy Bow, And it just Um, about goes into touch. Like, Bow sort of fumbles it, sort of catches it, and goes into touch. But Franz Dane had him covered anyway. Like, the Bok defence was so, so spot on. It's a pretty good option, but I think it's the only time in the game that Bod's execution is spot on. He looked a bit... Like, um, it's not the wrong option, but as soon as you look no. back on it, you go, oh, he was kind of frustrated into doing that, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think he's just got no... His options are carry in and I'll try this chip. Yeah. He's half on. Yeah. Uh, around that time as well, Stephen Jones goes for a cross kick that's very reminiscent of the one uh, we covered in the previous episode. Uh, and I think he's doing it just because, you know, he's friends with Nigel Owens. They both, you know, <laughs> live in similar parts of West Wales. Yeah, and of course. I think, I think he just wants to get him excited about something in the game. We then also, the Lions around this period, uh, clear from their own 22, they put up like a really contestable, re- like a good modern kit, the kind of kick we saw a lot in the 2021 series. Yeah. Uh, and Rob Carney goes for a slide tackle. Yes! I, I find this so confusing. Like, uh, you know what? I, I didn't even write this down or anything, how weird that was. Because <laughs> my brain just simply refused to compute that that happened. Yeah. Like, he, he leaves with his two, he's kind of... Both feet out first, trips up Franz Dane. Franz Dane loses the ball on the floor and it isn't given. It's given as a South African scrum. Yeah, yeah. But, right, and Stuart Barnes is going, I can't believe I can't believe they didn't award the scrum for the Lions. And you're going, no, I can't believe Rob Carney isn't in the bin for a yeah, slide yeah, yeah. tackle. Like, he very clearly trips him up. Yeah. I don't know. Rob Carney, whatever he took before the game, you know, I'd like a bit of it. I would, but not any time before I'm going to bed. Yes, very true, very true. <laughs> Not if I have to sleep in the next 38 hours. I imagine he, t- he took the same stuff after Clerk takes every week. <laughs> yes. And frankly, that Chili Boy Ralapelli takes every few hours. Oh. <laughs> you know, mixed in with literally everything else in the world. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's that? Heroin. Um, <laughs> that was an sure, accusation. Okay. Um, uh, I, I retract that, uh, Chili Boy, no, if you're you listening. Um, um, no, you don't. So... There's then another try. The Lions yes. the Lions try and drive for the line. Uh, drive for the line, Lions. Um, 
and uh, they have a lot of pick and goes and stuff. And again, the South African defence is incredibly resolute. But the thing is, the Lions eventually realise there is one place in the South African defensive line where there is space. It's not in around the ruck. It's not out wide. It's specifically one pass away from first receiver uh, is where all the space <laughs> yes. is. And they keep they, they keep hitting up around the ruck and then they try and go wide a couple of times. And then they eventually clock it and just kind of go, we're going to make some breaks, lads. So Stephen Jones is looking like he's pulling the strings here. And then eventually mm. it's Bod who pops up in midfield, pops it up to Tom Croft, who's running a pretty oh, good tip online. Before we get there, before we get there, they go wide first. And again, it's one of those, you know, it's the opposite of earning the right to go wide. It's yeah. earning the right to go tight. You know, they're trying to stretch the sure, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. you know, contract it again. Um, Jamie Roberts' step before his... Oh, yes! Jamie Roberts' step right? Which is a rare sentence. Yeah. But that was what really set him apart the best period of his career. Yeah, right? yeah, 2009, yeah. Uh, 2009, and then when he got back in yeah. the worst season, sort of 2015 as well. Um, 2016, I think it was. He was really, really good again. Yeah. It was when he was using his footwork as well. Yeah. He does this. He's kind of beginning to go into contact. He slows down, steps, and then smashes back in, gets immediately yeah. back up to his top speed and carries them straight to the try line. Like, Especially there's like 15, 20 metres made there. Having O'Driscoll knowing exactly what line to run off in every single time as well. Like, yeah. oh man, what a glorious combination. Roberts had a really good and, second half here. Yeah, so Bod is doing a lot of flashy stuff and all of it's coming off. Yeah. But a lot of it's just because he has someone so effective as yeah. a foil and so versatile as well. Like, literally whatever Brian O'Driscoll needs to make to buy him the time and space Roberts to do whatever flashy do bullshit he's wanting yeah. Roberts would do it perfectly yeah, yeah, he yeah. was brilliant yeah. I said this, is, this is why yeah this was one of the great partnerships despite the fact they played together about six times yeah yeah, yeah oh loved them they're so good and both of them play individually well as well as yeah. complementing yeah, each yeah, other yeah yeah it's great yeah so Brian O'Driscoll feeds Tom Croft on his like tip online as a, and he scores a try any Curry. rugby fan will yeah sorry any rugby fan will look at should look at that Brian O'Driscoll even you know South Africans who obviously you know didn't like it being so great at the time it's worth looking back at how well yeah, they played yeah, yeah. together just as like a, a pure it's an objective spectacle like I've barely yeah. seen someone better I say and then Bod's popping up at first receiver and just playing whatever role he needs. Mm. He's almost like a sort of like, you know, like in sevens or touch rugby or something, where you've got like a playmaker popping up repeatedly, yeah. even if they're not necessarily the fly half. They just it's great that yeah. he can play well. both as kind of a 10 and as a flanker. Like he kind of yeah, yeah. plays the best of both of those worlds. And uh, yeah, it's, oh, he is, he is a really quite incredible rugby player. Yeah. So the Lions score, that's about 68 minutes, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just past 72. They get... So they get to 26-12, or 26-14, mm. isn't it? He converts it, doesn't he? Yeah. They then continue to put more pressure on. Um, we see Mornay Stain's first touch of international rugby, which, look, I didn't remember this. Mornay Stain's first touch of international rugby is... <laughs> pretty much sums up where he was going from here. So he is behind his own try line. He has thrown a really wild pass by Ricky January. And I want to take a moment to just acknowledge Ricky January. Yeah, I love that guy. Beloved Ricky January. Yeah. Uh, Go for a dive pass as well. Right? Yes, I was going to bring this up later. But yes, Ricky January. Beautiful, beautiful man. Yeah, my favourite fat scrum off ever. Still playing. Ricky January is still playing. Oh, of course he is. He's yeah, playing he's like playing like French fourth the, division. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's fourth division. I think oh, it's God, even I forgot lower about that. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is, he is just such an inspiration towards all scrum halves. Like, uh, I feel empowered, but knowing that scrum halves can still play with a nine on their back if they are like 300 pounds. Okay, so I've just looked it up. Ricky January is still playing, right? He is in the French sixth division. Oh, my God. 
Is he getting paid for that? Just... You think? I I think so. I think he's probably getting like boot money, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. But like, considering the second division is the pro duh, right? I'm imagining it's like the seventh division is hell. <laughs> like he's he's one notch above actually playing in hell. I'm there pretty sure he's in the cage fighting division of French rugby. <laughs> Uh, there is, yeah, there is a there is a photo of him out there, which I think we'll need to tweet out alongside this sure. podcast because he is magnificent nowadays. Yeah, uh, he is bigger than any of the props playing in this game in two thousand nine. <laughs> he is enormous. I love that guy. He's he uh, he is like the epitome of what all rugby players should aspire to be. Ricky January, in my opinion, absolutely. He is the greatest rugby player of all time. Yeah, love um, that guy. Top lad as well, as far as I can tell. But yeah, anyway, you were saying he he passed the ball to deliver Monet Stain his first touch of international rugby. He was also yeah, still playing. Horrible pass. Horrible pass around his ankles. Stain under enormous pressure from Martin Williams. Regathers the ball, does a little step, gives it to Banny who can clear faultlessly. Like, really super composed. That's his first touch of international rugby. And his second is putting up a flawless bomb in the air for Peter to chase. Yep. Yep. You know, South Africa don't score any points during the period he's on the field, but he makes up for that next week. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Then comes uh, a bit of a, 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 I guess, turning point in a way. Uh, the Lions mm. swing it wide, so there's some great hands. It goes Stephen Jones to Brian O'Driscoll to Jamie Roberts to Rob Carney to Hugo Monya on the wing. And Monya steps inside last second and loses control of the ball about yeah. an inch out from the try line. And who is it making the tackle on him? But young Mornay Stain slaps the yep. ball out of his hands as Monia is stepping over the try line. And it's one of those that it gets brought up uh, in terms of, you know, yeah. Uga Monia's lines, Torres stuff, because obviously there's the one earlier with the Peterson incident uh, and this one. And it's, it's so, yeah, go on. Ugo Monia has, throughout his career and even since he's retired, now that he is, you know, one of the highest profile pundits in yeah. rugby, probably is about to become the highest profile, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah question of sport and strictly him dancing and so on he has always taken a lot of shit for this game yeah and watching it back right and this is something that i you know i don't i think there's a lot of rugby journalists out there a lot of rugby pundits whatever out there that want to be friends with the players and so on and like i've never wanted to do that because i think it makes it worse my job and i recognize i have had some level you know i'm not like close friends with Ugamani or something but i've talked to him a handful of times you know i recognize there's some level of pre-existing relationship there and i don't want to say this just out of like oh because he's my friend you know um uh, so I reckon I want to say that as like a disclaimer, but I don't think Ugamonia plays badly. I don't. I think those I are think the only two things two... that could be perceived as mistakes in this game. There's one moment where he flies about a line, he makes an incorrect defensive read, but the Lions cover it anyway, mm-hmm. right? I think that's sort of it in terms of mistakes. Yeah. Um, I think he's on the end, He's he takes a high shot, it is not penalised, and then he can't finish from there. Yeah. I don't think that's a that's a red mark against his name no. in that first one. No. Um, and you're asking a lot it, of him. It'll be penalty trial. Yeah. It'll be penalty trial. And also, like, the speed he showed to anyway. get into that position in the first place, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. You've got to give him some credit and there. This one, he obviously takes... He takes quite a difficult pass. Yeah. He steps superbly. Yeah. Gets himself in a position to do it. And then is on the end of a brilliant tackle by Stain, who wraps yeah. the ball. It's right? class, yeah. I, I don't think... Obviously, you know, there's there's manners in which he could have finished it. I don't think there's anything he does sure. technically wrong. Like, or from a kind of rugby point of view, he does wrong there. Yeah, yeah. I think... Right? You're looking at, like, the only way he could have done 
better necessarily is to be like Joshua to us over or mm, like sure. a freak of nature. Well, Stain wouldn't be able to get their arms around. On one hand, mm. I totally get why somebody would say he's a test match starting Lions winger. He, you know, at this point, you're you, you're not wrong to call him a world class winger. You know, and mm. think. You know, that you'd kind of be insulting him if you didn't say you'd expect him to finish from there, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know, you do expect him to finish from that situation. But I think that's the only thing that you could call a mistake that he really does wrong in that, this this game. Yeah. Um, I think he has an excellent game all round. And I think that he really complemented that yeah. back line with Bo and uh, Carney in the end. But yeah, that was sort of the Lions' chance. They knock it on. South Africa get the put in. And you know what? It's not all doom and gloom, South Africa having the put in, is it? We've got Adam Jones on the pitch. Yeah. What a difference Adam Jones and, to some extent, Matthew Reese as well. And also, um, go through Steinkamp and Dion Carson's coming on um, for South sure. Africa. That also definitely made a difference. Yes. So the Lions do win the ball back and there's this long, it feels like a long period of pressure. Yeah. Um, I think it was less long than I remembered it being at the time. Because at the time it felt like it was 20 minutes than yeah, funding yeah. the line. And in reality, it's probably four or five. But that's a long time when you're in that kind of test match, adrenaline, and a test as good as this as well. Yeah. And I remember how worked up I was for this. I remember we'd been walking the dog before going in. Oh, really? And I, I was, remember that. Yeah. Uh, I was at our parents the whole time saying, can we hurry up? Can we hurry up? Get back to the Lions. Get back to the Lions. And we got in as the teams were being announced. The teams are kind of doing that thing where they come forward and say, oh, Ugo Monia. Cross their, their arms. Yeah, yeah. Tom Croft. Cross their, cross their arms, you know. Lee Byrne. Oi, listen up. Do you want some cash for your gold? Um, Liam is crisp salesman. Yes. Yeah, we got in as that was happening. And I was like shaking with nerves and excitement Mm. and so on. Um, I was really, really eager and up for it. Uh, I had a blue lion shirt. I had a red one. one. I had the the proper one. Yeah. Which is now now Um, gone to bits. All right, mate. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Mine still fits me, but the HBO uh, does it. is gone. Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember yeah, yeah. I, I, wore that, that I wore that shirt to my first ever rugby training session. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I might have worn mine to that as well. Yeah. yeah. I once wore it for non-uniform day during this tour as well. Oh, I definitely school. did that. I definitely. Did. I remember yeah. once wearing my um my yellow Wales shirt to uh, a non-uniform day. Yeah, uh, I once wore a Cardiff blue shirt and I felt hugely embarrassed, and it genuinely shook me in a way that's meant I've pretty much only worn um. I pretty much always worn blazer since. Like it's it 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 was a uh, feeling embarrassed about wearing a Cardiff blue shirt. Who aren't even the club I support um, <laughs> to a non-uniform day. Genuinely uh, shaped me as a man. I um, I didn't realize it me fundamentally. That, I didn't realize that fashion was a thing until like seven years after yeah. leaving school. So uh, you know, I mean, I I still wear my rugby stash like six days a week. You know, I'm literally wearing my long yeah, training jersey uh, right now because it's just so comfortable. I love it. This is the thing. Like, I, there was one comment got really excited when they saw Chasing the Sun because, like, it's Squidge in a suit. And what they don't realise is that's how I dress every single day. You know, like, I, I always wear a t-shirt and a blazer. Like, mm. sometimes a shirt shirt, but it's pretty much always t-shirt and blazer. Sure. Um, and I, I'm usually pained to take the blazer off if I'm out in public. Mm. Um, I am very much a blazerman. Um, as I believe they say. Uh, anyway, that's a tangent. Yeah. Um, so, so here comes Roberts. <laughs> so the end of this incredible, yeah, yeah, this incredible test match. Jamie Roberts, also a blazerman. I'm, I'm assured. I've seen. Yeah, great carry. Yeah. Um, again, coming off this scrum, they crash it up, and whoo, they run another phase in field. 
and things start to open up. You start to see there's numbers on the on either side. You know, South Africa really contracted around the ruck. Yeah. Um, Victor Matfield notices this and shoots it really fast on Phillips to try and slap the ball out of his hand. Phillips kind of takes a little step, notices, and goes straight through. Yeah, scores and under the posts. This Not whole the passage, post. these whole last 10 minutes are some of my favourite Miles Harrison commentary. I've talked yeah, about yeah. Miles Harrison a lot Thumps here. the ball away. Oh, it's great. And him, you know, screaming, there's the try! And it, Harrison becomes a fan. Yeah, you yeah. Know, at one point... You can hear his voice creaking. At one yeah, point. at one point there's a no, uh, Monia's, you know, the kind of like 13 type position with Bo outside him on the other mm. And he screams, Monia has to give it! Yes! And then goes, oh, doesn't! And he kind of remembers he's commentating yeah, midway yeah. through because he's just become oh, a fan. I love Miles Harrison. Like, oh yeah. man, he makes every line test so much better as we discussed on the previous episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, his commentary is is... It's kind of how we were all feeling at this point. I think um, he, do, he yeah. yeah, he always does it justice. He's great. He then so Philip scores and him and Barnes get incredibly excited yeah. about. So the score's now twenty one twenty six. Yeah, like yeah. I kind of forgot it was this close uh, by the end because mm, I remember the comeback. Let's not beat I, I remember there being a bit of a comeback. I didn't quite realize it was to the point at which the Lions could attack to win the game at the end. I remember there was a bit I, of a fight back in like a heroic kind of a way, mm. but like. I didn't realise quite how close it was. So Stuart Barnes then says, we have an absolutely unforgettable five minutes of Lions rugby coming up. And I realised I had forgotten it entirely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the exact The same only problem. thing I remember was in the 79th minute saying, I remember saying the phrase, come on, one minute, one try, uh, being really pumped up. And our father, if you remember him, because mm-hmm. uh, this was back, you know, yeah. back 12 years ago. It's a retrospective um, podcast. Yeah, I remember him saying, no, this hope's all gone. It's definitely not happening. Uh, which I think kind of summed up his influence on both our lives. So annoying that he was right. So <laughs> so rarely it happened. By the way, if you're listening, so... you're a prick. Carry on. Oh, yeah, I think he's on a generally to everyone Oh, no, listening. no, no, just, just our father. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that Jimmy would imply a level of interest he is not... <laughs> If he's listening, I'd be really impressed. Uh, I'd want, I'd want, I'd have more questions for Jimmy Savile if he's listening. Yeah, yeah, for a father, uh, you know, it's the first time he's shown interest in any of us in, you know, quite nice. a few years. So, um, or Jimmy Savile. <laughs> Jimmy Savile has, yes, not shown interest in me in quite a few years. Yeah. Also, hasn't shown interest in me since I was a child. Yes, exactly. Um, um, so, anyway, Lions. Score. The Lions then. 26. South Africa then kick long, and Stephen Jones has a moment of considering running it. But he said, hoofs it back. And Ricky January signs his contract for the Ospreys a few months early and knocks it on. Yeah, he is a Welshman. I have that written down. Yeah. yeah. Ricky January knocks it on. And right, and this was the In thing, In their own right? half. You know, Stuart Barnes say, yeah, 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 yeah. So the Lions have a scrum about 40 metres in South African line. Yeah. And I remember none of this, right? <laughs> Which proves Stuart Barnes' point. It's sure. I've got five minutes of Lions rugby. And I looked at it and I did think, have they changed it? Have they changed what happened from 2009? <laughs> is it different now? Because I definitely don't remember Dion Carstens playing. Yeah, I I definitely didn't remember that either. But you know, I I I scarcely remember Carstens to be and honest. So, he was one of those yeah. names that came up when I was because he was slightly before my time, I think. Mm. So y- yeah, but yeah, I, I don't remember him playing in this at all. So they then, but he did. They then make a, they then yeah. So Jamie Roberts takes the ball. Um, makes off. a bust, and yeah, tell us, tell us what happens next. So he throws an offload to, to find Tommy Bow, and uh, it gets mm. intercepted. But 
I really like that he goes for that offload because he's he's going for a scoring play. Like he he goes, yeah. I have got the world's best finisher on my shoulder. If this pass happens to come off, it's quite a low percentage pass. If this comes off, we are winning the first test of this Lions series. It gets and... intercepted by Jacques Ferre, I think. But um, yeah, I think it is. Um, you look back at that offload, right? Bo is in the process of changing his line as he's doing it. He is absolutely stepping more than Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, Bo is going under the post if he takes that ball. If yeah. that intercept isn't made, Tommy Bo goes under the post and the Lions win this in the last minute yeah. with the conversion. It's a low percentage play, but it's it's a potential scoring play. It's a winning play. It's worth play. throwing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had no memory of that whatsoever. No, me neither. Of it being, again, I remembered it being, the scoreboard being close. It's really cool. I did not remember there being a moment where they yeah, could have won it. Yeah, Um And as I say, like, I was expecting Tommy Bo to take that and go into the post. Yeah. Watching like, his back, because I'd forgotten the Let's time not beat around the bush, right? The Lions got bullied for 60 minutes, didn't they? Uh, yes. Or maybe 50 minutes. They got absolutely bullied by up front by the Springboks. And they were far and far away the better team. And, you know, they 100,000% deserve to win this. So the thought of the Lions coming anywhere near winning this game was so hard to get into my head, Watch even watching this back, because my memory of this game was just the Lions getting bullied up front and then there being a bit of a fight back, mm. but nothing too serious. But... The fact that they were within touching distance of maybe even winning the thing was yeah was an insanity. We then have one of my favourite things. South Africa clear the ball from there because still a few minutes to play. Yeah, and Brian O'Driscoll has dropped himself to fullback and launches the counter attack. Yes, and again you kind of think he could create something here. Yeah, he could yeah, do yeah. anything from here. Yeah, that's quite a smart move to be honest. Just put yeah. the one guy that you can just rely on to to maybe do something, no matter what position they're playing. And just yeah. hope they do something. Um, he then gets injured in the process of counter Yeah, he does go for a little chip kick. For the corner. Yeah. So, Ronan Ogara then warms up on the sideline. And I think there's an interesting parallel world of what if Ronan Ogara comes on here. And he kicks to the corner instead of Stephen Jones. Stephen Jones yeah. kicks the outside of his boot on kicking from the corner. Yeah. The Lions only get it to 22. If they True. instead make the five metre line or something, you've either got the chance from Maul or you've got the second distributor... Um, allowing someone different to... You say second distributor. To... You're implying Ron Nagar is a distributor. You've got someone in there to do a cross kick. Yeah, 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 um, sure. <laughs> Nigel, like, don't, that, that um, kick for the corner would have gone a lot better, but then you would have had to attack with Ron Nogara straight afterwards. Sure, sure. I would have been really interested in how that would have Yeah, gone. that Obviously, is an interesting slide. You don't want your best player going off but... for a minute to go when you've got a... Sure, you know. yeah. But I think there's potentially a different game if Ogara kicks for the corner yeah. instead of Stephen Jones, who slices it. But uh, Matt Field knocks it on in the line out. They have a bit of a, an attack from the scrum. Uh, also, it's an incredible read from Matt Field. Like, the amount of lineouts, by the way, he was just completely a, a complete menace. We haven't mentioned his name at all. No, Matt he was unreal, man. Really, really good. Like, to skip ahead to it, he's a man of the match contention easily because he, yeah, he was stealing too. lineouts. He was so reliable, even when they just knew they were going to throw up to Matt Field, like it wouldn't make an impact, you know. And he was always in the way. If he not, he comes Steve. in flawlessly at scrum off, and you don't notice. Yeah, yeah, like his skills around the park were really, really good. I couldn't shake. Like, how good would Victor Batfield be if he played now? Yeah, now the second verse needed far more round again. Game. Timeless player, um, I think. Because he, he had that, yeah. Then. You know, he had the chip kicks and he had that, which was late this year, wasn't he? Doing the chip yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for Jack Free. He had the skills that were unnecessary um, for him at the time, which are completely yeah. fundamental now. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was he, unbelievable. He, I think he, he's just an all time yeah. great. 
He's just an but so the Lions have a bit of an attack sort of just outside yep. of the 22 with the spring box. And it's Darny Rousseau who comes up with the winning turnover. The kick to touch. Obviously, Matt Field wins the line out. And Ricky January boots the ball out for full time. Yes. And you're left. the Lions are left kind of heartbroken, but also thinking that was fair. Yeah. South Africa left relieved, but encouraged for the next test. Yeah. And I think everyone watching really really excited for both the next test and the following series in 12 years time which has to live up to this sure sure but yeah i mean the thing stuart barnes brings up is that peter mm. de shouldn't have made those changes he shouldn't have brought on stan camp and carsons and january yeah. with the three he picked out whereas i think on the other hand the lions make all the substitute that i say adam jones probably could have come on sooner yeah i think bringing on matthew reese for a south african scrum on the try line Really inspired yeah. timing on that. Martin Williams came on at the bring, right time. Don when they bring Martin Williams on, is brilliant. Yeah. That's a really good call. Yeah. Bringing him on, and he kind of does start to open things up a bit, because he's an incredibly yeah. different player to uh, David Wise. Yeah. Uh, really O'Callaghan on for Alan Jones was an inspired choice as well. Like, he came yeah. on and he just worked. Like He works like a wind-up toy, Don O'Callaghan. O'Callaghan had that thing that Sam Warburton used to say, whenever I'm on the bench, I want to put 80 minutes mm. of effort into the kind of 15-20 yeah, 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 minutes yeah, I played. Yeah. Like, and he was double-rucking a lot. Yeah. Alan Jones, obviously, phenomenal, all-time great player, yeah. right? O'Callaghan, Tom Savage would agree he is, but O'Callaghan then comes on and does 80 minutes worth of work yeah. in 50 minutes. On, like, he, he works incredibly On well. the flip side, Andreas Becker coming on for Rakis Botha is outstanding. Like, he was like... Yeah, he is, he, actually. He is, like, he is actually, he's one of your... He's so, such a forgotten player, but he was just a really world-class mm. nuts and bolts player. Like, completely flawless at set-piece and hard as nails. Like, what more do you he's, want? One of those players that literally any international team would have wanted in their squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. He might not have started for them, but you always wanted him in your squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was exactly who they needed to come onto the field when he did. Massive, nuts and bolts, good carrier. You know, makes a key turnover in this game as well. Yeah. Really good, like, dynamic but unshowy player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, I had forgotten how good a game this was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really exciting. I forgot how close it was Um, by the end. Yeah, and even... Even when it is 26-7, mm. it feels far closer. Yeah, you know, it feels yeah. like there's far less in it. It feels like Lions could come back at any moment. Yeah, the margins are so small, aren't they? And yeah, like a lot of people, a lot of people talk about the next week's game, which we'll come on to next week, sure. uh, the second test, as one of the best games of rugby ever played, yeah. right? And watching this back here, look, I think, obviously we'll watch the second test back next week and we'll get into this in detail, but... Does the second test have a moment where Ricky January does a dive pass? And the answer to that is most likely no. Yeah. And therefore, the odds are against him. This test, this test is up there with the Lion, with the Ospreys beating Leicester in the 2010 Heineken Cup. What a game that was, as by the, the way. The greatest moment. That was a really, really good tense game. Uh, Tommy Bowes try for oh, a chip through off his left cool. foot as well. Oh my god. Yeah. Ricky January being carried aloft on the shoulders of other players yeah. uh, back when that was possible, when he was only the size of like... <laughs> he only looked like he'd eaten 16 eclairs that morning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, rugby. Uh, and in particular, Ricky January, yeah. who's the greatest player of... Should we um, do Man of Match and Dick of the Day? All time? Man of Match and Dick of the Day? Yes. Yeah. So, so, where do you want to start? Uh, man of the Match. Let's do Man of the Match first. It's 10 down Tararira. Um <laughs> Who's yours? Yeah, that's it. Like, I think Brian O'Driscoll has an argument for being the best player on the pitch, but Man of the Match is 10 down to Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> O'Driscoll is, he couldn't have done much more. Like, but And Matt Field, you know, Grosso. 
12 years now, whenever a prop is completely dominant at test level, people go, it's like it's like the beast in that first test yeah, in yeah. 2009, right? Tendam Tararia is sub is just unplayable like, to be honest yeah well he literally he made the lions dominant. unplayable you know they they couldn't Lions get couldn't going despite yeah. how brilliant their attack was because Antari was just a one-man wrecking ball you know well i say one man there was an eight-man effort there but yes. you know what i mean like he completely yeah. ruined vickery on so many occasions that we've had to stick up for him in so many ways the man the match is tendo Tarariro, and that's just undisputed yeah Yep, that is absolutely agreed. Uh, and I wonder if we'll be on the same lines I, for I think the so. I think the dick of the day for me has to be Christoph Berdos for Christoph Berdos, intervening yeah. in the most the clueless thing... way and just just having seven sherries before starting his day at the TMO truck. Yeah, for, for forgetting his French-English dictionary <laughs> as he sat down in the truck. Um, I think there's an argument that uh, Bryce Lawrence for not listening to his TMO and not, you know, having a conversation. But no, with he was correct. The TMO was him. wrong. I don't, I don't blame him. So you shouldn't listen yeah, to the TMO when he's a bumbling idiot. Like... Also, Fouri Dupree tries to kick the ball and misses it, uh, and people true. have got dick of the day for less. Yeah, that's very true. Chris, Christoph Verdas is the dick of the day. We've gone too unanimous. Yeah, that's rarely happened before. Can you imagine if in the hit 2009 film Mr. Bean's Holiday he'd run into Christophe Burdos whilst in France? <laughs> oh, man. There, there is a different concept for a story. Like, you could pitch that film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Be right back. Just going to give Richard Curtis a call. Yeah. Mr. Bean's meeting with ex-France rugby referee Christophe Burdos. <laughs> Mr. Burdos's Holiday. Nice, nice. So we we unanimous with both Man of and Dick of the we're Day. Unanimous. Has that we ever rarely happened? agree on anything. I think it has once before, and I can't really remember. Mm. I can only assume Anthony Fainger was involved. <laughs> of course, of course he was. Yeah. So that brings us through the first test. The great thing yes. about Lions, right, is they play. So tests. South Africa are one nil up, and the Lions have. Mm. Another opportunity the next week to put it right and maybe level the series. But um, yeah, so they uh, have a game against the emerging Springboks of the week. I take it uh, mm. we're not going to cover that, are we? No, it ends up as a draw. Downward day, my scores in the last minute to equalise. Yeah. It's hard to get hold of that game. I have looked. I yeah. have tried. Okay. We'll m- maybe talk about the highlights at some point, but yeah. probably not on the episode on the second test. Uh, if yes. we do a wrap up episode, yeah, then maybe we'll have a chat about it. But We've talked um, for almost two hours, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we'll get and more in the second test. Which is there's the going to be more game. talking points next week yeah. than this week, I reckon. So, But yeah, so next week, yeah, the second test, as you say, it's widely spoken about as one of the greatest rugby matches ever, one of the greatest Lions tests that I am both excited and nervous to get stuck into that. Absolutely. Okay, we'll see you then. We'll see if I've remembered anything more about rugby in the meantime. Uh, We'll see if by then they will have made rugby the World Cup from 1991 on the Atari into a real thing. Yeah. And we'll see what goes on beyond that from there. I wish you and your family all the best and... May you one day find peace. Good night. Goodbye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 